Thirty years after war turned the world into a wasteland, a lone warrior named Eli marches across the ruined landscape, carrying hope for humanity's redemption. Only one other man understands the power of what Eli carries, and he is determined to take it for himself. Though Eli prefers peace, he will risk death to protect his precious cargo, for he must fulfill his destiny to help restore mankind. Welcome to another feature presentation of Midnight Double Feature, and on this episode, we'll be covering 2010's The Book of Eli, directed by Albert and Alan Hughes. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back. We are doing the Book of Eli this evening. I'm going to jump right into this motherfucker. hope you're doing well. We are going to spoil this movie. We're going to be using a lot of F-bombs. We're going to be cursing, so cover your ears if you have a problem with that. There's an E on this motherfucker for a reason, as I've said multiple times. Um, but yeah, we're going to be covering the Book of Eli tonight, 2010, Denzel Washington, Mila, Mila Kunis, however the fuck you want to say it. But uh, but before we get into our opening impressions, our initial thoughts, you know, all that all that jazz, um, this is one of our feature presentation episodes. It's going to be a bit longer. We're going to talk about it sequentially. We'll be doing spoilers, blah, 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 yada, yada, everything I've just said before. So <clears throat> if you like these episodes, we do these once a week. We also have our, our other episodes, uh, the upcoming attraction episode uh, directed or directed, <laughs> hosted by our other host, Matt Vela, who is a director. Check him check him out at, at Vela Matt Films. Um, but those are that's kind of his backyard, just kind of covering trailers, news, a lot of the new stuff that has popped up. So, uh, you know, if you're not into these kind of episodes, you might find something you like in uh, in the other ones. We also have special features where we sit down with a cast or a crew member, talk to other people about something, a project that they're on. But either way, um, you know, just check them out, see if you see how you see how that sits with you guys. Some people are not down for these longer episodes that we've somewhat been notorious for so i think the shorter episodes people like to get their news that way as well not just read it constantly but either way guys thanks so much for coming on thanks very much so for listening to this episode zoheb how are you doing this evening my friend i'm good dude how you doing what's cracking what's happening not much man um uh, you know what i'm gonna be honest with you i'm gonna be honest with you i'm a little pissed Little, oh really? Little pissed. Yeah, I mean, like when you when you were saying like the Book of Eli, you were like, oh, it stars Denzel Washington, stars Mila Kunis. What the? How could you leave out Gary Oldman? Well, traditionally, I always say you do your protagonist first, and then you get to the antagonist. You know, it's yeah, but you two. didn't even do that. <laughs> you're just like, I was just like, oh, let's move on. Fuck it. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm not like fuck it. I mean, on the cover, it's gonna say Gary Oldman at some point, but way before that, it's gonna be. Washington and Kunis. It's like, oh, hey, here's this awesome guy who is kind of the same person in a lot of movies. But we have Meg from Family Guy, and she's hot, so it'll <laughs> it'll get people to buy the fucking thing. Shut up, Meg. <laughs> shut shut up, Meg. But how are you doing, bud? Uh, I'm good, dude. I'm uh, man. This this movie is depressing, isn't it? Like, it's just, I know. Uh, I was saying right before you started on that that I want to play some fucking Fallout so bad now. Oh, dude, I want to play some Fallout, but I also want to go slit on my wrists. Like, just, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! Like, get some light in this film, dude. <laughs> oh, dude, it's like so, it's like it's like somebody posted on Instagram for the first time and got a hold of the sepia one and just cranked what? like cranked out all the saturation and the color like 
Um, and I guess, I mean, we can just jump right into it. We'll start with you and your like initial impressions. Um, because I, I mean, I think we're both, let's just say, I think we're both kind of on the same page with that. Like the color grading of this might be a little bit much. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but right off the bat, you're kind of saying what I'm thinking. So, I mean, w- w- extrapolate upon that. Like what else about this movie do you love? Don't love? When'd you first see it? Blah, 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 yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Okay. So I'll start with my, uh, history with this film. So 2010, I'm 16 years old. I haven't started at Hoyt's yet at the cinemas. Uh, I believe this came, came out uh, either in January or February, sometime in in 2010. So it was kind of like, it wasn't like a summer blockbuster or anything like that. It was like right at the start of the year. And um, typically that's where movies go to die. Like typically, that's what like uh like that's the the area that studios choose to release their films in because it's like oh we don't really have that much faith in this film let's just fucking release it here because I don't know like I, I don't fucking know it's just a strategy that's usually when you get those low budget fucking horror films that are like right at the start of January and it's just like yeah no one's gonna watch this so let's release it here the dead zone as I like to the call de- it the, yeah the dead zone <laughs> right exactly so didn't watch this in the cinema um I remember I had this friend right and um. Basically, his his stepdad like used to fucking pirate films. Like, just literally, I'm not even kidding. Like, like actual, like he was like a serial bootlegger, and he'd sell them. Like, he'd. I sell swear them. to God, I thought you were gonna say seriously, actual pirate, like a guy standing behind a computer with an eye patch and a peg <laughs> leg and like a parrot on his shoulder. Like, wow, he he really gets into character. Yeah, Jeffrey Rush is my name. <laughs> <laughs> Are no, you guys no, no. big fan of Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh, defamation. <laughs> uh, no, he, he he would like sell them. Like he'd pirate them and then sell them. And, oh, wow. Uh, He's balls yeah, deep in that shit. Yeah, he was balls deep apparently. But like I would like kind of like go over there and just like, you know, like flip through like what he had because um, I was just like, I don't know, like it's fucking free movies, dude. Like I'm 16 years old, like, you know. And then I found one and it was like Book of Eli and I was like, ooh, what's, what's this? Like um, it would just be like because it would be like a, a CD like a like a DVD um, in like these like clear sort of like slip cases and uh, and like he would like print out like a, a a cover and just stick it on like a sticker and like slap it on the disc like that's what it was and like it was yeah. just like um, like it was the title Book of Eli and then it was just like Denzel Washington I was like what's this so I took it home watched it um, and had a had a good time with it dude like you know it was a shitty copy of, like that i saw like it was a fucking camcorded like copy but i had a good time with it and like i remember as a 16 year old kind of being slightly disappointed kind of being like oh man like i i wish there was more action in this like i definitely remember thinking that because like that first moment where you see denzel kind of like spring into action it's just like fuck i want more of this and uh, look, I, I still want more of that now here as a 25-year-old, but as a 25-year-old, I fully appreciate this film a lot more now with the uh, with, with the world-building elements of it. Like, that's that's mm-hmm. what the biggest thing of this movie has uh, has going for it for me. Like, like this, this whole sort of, like, post-apocalyptic world-building stuff, like, I am on board with that shit. Like, that, that is so fucking cool. The I remember um, showing it to my dad, and we were like kind of like watching it and like the religious elements of it I really dug as well and we'll get to a pretty fucking good comment by Danny Fouch Um, yeah we will yeah fuck man uh, and, and I remember being like, my dad was like, "Oh, you can kind of like substitute the Quran uh, for like the the what is it, the New King James Bible or whatever." Uh, right, the carrying. King James version. Yeah, 
Yeah, you, you can like you can substitute that and like it'd be the same exact story. And I'm like, yeah, that that's totally true. And watching it this time around, dude, I I definitely remembered like the twist with him like not being able to see. I definitely remembered that he is carrying the Bible. But but I I do I do honestly wish that they left it ambiguous. Like there yes. is no need. <laughs> like that is such <clears throat> a big fucking like oh that is such a letdown, dude. Like I I wish they left it ambiguous. Like <laughs> uh, it would have been so much more accessible for so many more audiences, and it would have mm-hmm. been so much more. It would have been a lot less preachy. Like this is already a preachy fucking movie. Like you know what I mean. So I don't fucking know. Definitely love Denzel, man. Like Denzel's a fucking plus in this movie. This movie would not work without Denzel, but it also would not work without Gary Oldman's sort of like, and we've talked about Gary Oldman before, uh, him being one of my favorite actors of all time, but this is like one of his ones where he's a bit, he's he's subdued, but he's still, there's still a lot of sauce. Like <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of Gary Oldman sauce here, but I, I still like the intensity that he brings to the villain, Carnegie. Um, I think, I think the weakest part of this movie might be Mila Kunis. I think I, hmm, I think that's interesting. If I had to pull one, if I had to pull a, a negative um, cast member, it would be Mila Kunis because I mean, like, let's like let me ask you this: Does it, it maybe it doesn't like jump off the page at you? But if you have to, if you have to point something out, do you think like I don't want to talk, I don't want to speak for you, but is that what you kind is that what you're kind of getting at? Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if I had to pick one, because it's like I mean, there's there's only three fucking people in this movie. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, like there's, <laughs> right. there's three there's three people, and then there's like fucking henchmen, right? So it's not like exactly a star-studded, stacked ensemble cast. But yeah, man, I definitely dig this movie. I, I dig it a lot more now than I do as a twenty as as a twenty five year old than I did as a sixteen year old. Uh, there's more to love here, uh, especially because like since this movie came out, there's been so many more sort of like post apocalyptic games. Um, I've been getting. Oh. Into yeah. like ever since ever since I first saw this, I'd seen Mad Max, so I'm definitely uh, more well versed in like the post apocalyptic stuff. Some of the cinematography in this movie is absolutely breathtaking. Like it is astounding <laughs> um, how they pull some of these shots off. And do you know much about the Hughes brothers? Oh, wait, is it Hughes? Uh, what, who are they? Yeah, yeah, it's Hughes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to keep going. Uh, no, <clears throat> I know that um, they did From Hell with Johnny Depp, and I saw that at some point. And I, I mean, I, that was like 15 years ago. I don't remember hating it. I know it's kind of kind of a bad reputation, but I know they – I can't really think of what else they did. Though. I know they did From Hell and, uh, and Enlighten Me, though. Is there something I'm missing there? Yeah, they did Menace to Society, which is they, fucking awesome, yes, dude. great movie. Fucking awesome movie. You like, see, you say, you, you've seen that. Yeah, yeah, I have seen oh. that, yeah. Thank God. And I thought you were going to be like, ah, oh, man, you know, I just never got around to it, blah, blah. No. Like, oh, oh, that's no. so good, man. No, And you know what? I watched that a lot more recently than I'd care to admit. I, I, I guarantee you, I watched that with, um, I watched that back to back with, fuck, because John Singleton died and I watched uh, Boys in the Hood. And then I yeah. watched, um, and then like right after Boys in the Hood, it's like, you would like Menace to Society. And I was like, you know what? I've never seen Menace to Society. So I put it on. And I was just like, man, I'm all over this. So have you ever seen the parody of Menace to Society? No. What is it? It's, I think it's, I believe it's the Wayans. I'd have to Google it, but it's like, don't be a Menace to Society. Uh, like, oh. don't be a Menace to Society while drinking your juice in the hood or something like that. Of course it is. Of course that's the title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, really dug this movie. This is a great pick, I think. Um, like on your part, like when you when you chose this, I was like, that is so random. But I I remember thinking very kind of like recently, I've I've been wanting to kind of sit down and watch this again, and I'm kind of glad I did. So that's my thoughts. Word. 
Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I'm not gonna lie. I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna play Netflix roulette and see what pops up. And Book of Eli <laughs> popped up, and I was like, <clears throat> I was like, huh? Like, you know, that that that's kind of like right in the middle of the road for me. I, I've you know, I've been picking kind of like newer movies lately. I've kind of been notorious for picking like a lot of older stuff. Like, ah, eh, ten years old. You know, that's 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 okay. You know, that's that's solid. It's kind of right in the middle for me, but. It's also one of the only post-apocalyptic movies that we've covered. And I think the only ones that we've really covered were like Road Warrior and Fury Road with uh, with Fully Try from the Pop List, by the way. Check that. Check the uh, you know, Pop List podcast out. Those guys are – I mean, he is great. Those guys, it's just, it's just him. <laughs> no, it's a great, pop, uh, it's a great uh, podcast. But I think those are the only times we've really talked about post-apocalyptic fiction. Would the Warriors count? No, because that's not post-apocalyptic. That's not like the world yeah. hasn't ended, you know. It's – I mean, I, I can see like a somewhat of a comparison there, but it's it's uh it's not quite post-apocalyptic. Um, yeah, and yeah. you know, there's always this confusion between dystopia and something like equilibrium, or you know, somewhere where a society is controlled, <clears throat> and a lot of people mistake that post-apocalyptic with the dystopian kind of stuff. But all in all, I really enjoyed the hell out of this movie. I don't remember the first time I saw it. It might have been with my buddy Jake McDowell. I want to say that's the first time I saw it was hanging out with him. I know it was really close to when it came out. I remember really enjoying it. I don't remember ever watching it again. I never <clears throat> decided to, to buy this. I never decided to put this thing on. And I, I, I'd always enjoyed it. Any kind of post-apocalyptic movie, e even if it's not a good movie, I can still get into it because it's something post-apocalyptic. And, you know, those sci-fi, like, but, you know, like literally the channel sci-fi, like the sh real shitty, like kind of you know, quality movies that they make that just go straight onto their channel. Like even stuff of like that caliber, I can get behind because it's post-apocalyptic. I really enjoy any kind of fiction like that. But, and we had a, we had a poll actually that we put in the after party and we can get to that later. I want to save that for later, about just a competition between a lot of infamous, not every single one of them, but very infamous post-apocalyptic films. Didn't turn out quite the way I thought it would, which is interesting, but like yeah, I said, that we'll get- poll is bullshit. I know. <laughs> I know, dude. It really is. I'm like, this is no, no way. I remember really enjoying this. I think that there is a major problem with him with him being blind. And if I if I had to say what I loved about I, it. I agree. I, I, I'm just going to I know I, I don't know what you're going to say fully, but I, I feel like I agree already. And this is going to tie into Danny Fouch's comment as well. Right. Well, I, I think that. And I don't want to go too into detail because we can kind of hit that <clears throat> hit that when we come to it at the end when it's revealed to us. But I think that the color saturation is a little bit much. I think they need to back off of that just a little bit. I think it looks yes, it looks cool, but it does get a little much after a while. Like I mean, it's it's just it's it's a movie. I love to see the more colorful kind of you know, even though they're in this post apocalyptic world. Look at something like Fury Road versus, I mean, the color, I mean, that that's going 180 miles an hour in the opposite direction, you know, of like everything, like real vibrant, the reds and the blues and the yellows. And, and I love that. And, and well, I love this is this is this is a movie uh, like uh, George Miller didn't specifically cite uh, the book of Eli as one of the reasons that he made Fury Road so colorful. But he did like point out that like. A lot of post-apocalyptic movies these days are looking a lot more like the Book of Eli and and like The Road, right? Yeah, that kind of like that, just dark greenish, grayish, like you know, kind of color. And and I and I do think that's that's interesting, and it and it's cool. I do dig it. I just think that they should back off of a little bit, like when they're walking around and they get to San Francisco at the end, and I'm like, wow, a blue sky, a red right. bridge, wow, crazy. So. 
I think that the color saturation is a bit much. I love all the casting. I don't have any problem with any of the cast in this. I think I think they're all great. But I'm tr- I'm trying to go pro for con here, you know. Like I, like I'm like I'm gonna like it's kind of like I'm roasting somebody. I'm gonna talk some shit about you, but I'm gonna reinforce it with some positive stuff because I I think that I'm not I'm not familiar with that technique. I'm just like I'm just gonna roast it. You're just like, <laughs> like just all over it. But I, I, I really enjoy the story. I can't believe this is an $80 million movie. Right. Can you believe $80 million? I was like, I mean, most of that had to go to salary. There's no, I mean, you have, I mean, one, the, oh God, I can't remember. Uh, Claudia, I think is her name. Or the, his mistress. Um, I, I, God, I'm going to fuck that up. But she was in Flashdance. She was in the L word. Then you've got Kunis and Washington and old men and Ray Stevenson. It's like, yeah, a lot of this is probably going towards salary. And I think that's almost a shame because it's such a small movie. It's so simple. I think that the end in the movie, the, the end and the beginning of this movie are like 40 minutes long combined of just very, very slow moving stuff. To be completely honest, I think that this could even get away with like a whiplash level, uh, level of like short film, you know, like they made whiplash first and then they made the full fledged movie. I think you could even do something like that, something that's a lot smaller of a budget, something that doesn't have like a lot of name brand stars in it. And and Denzel's great. Olden's great. I love all of them, but I'd love to see a, a more indie stripped down version of this that doesn't have like all the explosions and the gunfights and stuff. And now I do enjoy those, and I, but I think those could be dialed back a little bit. I think it's so interesting that they say nobody has ammo in the wasteland, but at the end we have a fucking insane firefight like twice, like back to back. I was like, okay, this is kind of crazy. I get it why they're doing it, but it's just kind of nuts that we hear there's no ammo, but then everybody's got fucking guns. And, and I and I think that's – but it was interesting, I, and I hated that they kind of like didn't stick to that. That's what I didn't love. The the story of this, like I – you know me. I'm not a religious person. I'm like – I'm about as – I'm about as atheist as you can get without having solid proof. I'm not going to ever tell anybody about what they believe and blah, 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 and yada, yada. You know, you and I come from very different backgrounds and still have very different belief systems, but we make it work because we're not assholes about it. But I, I, the thing of faith did not bother me about this, <clears throat> even though growing up Church of Christ and being baptized, like I know the story of the real Ezekiel, Ezekiel who was blind in the Bible and he had Samuel was kind of like his protege and stuff. I was like, OK, so I remember like a little bit about it. I had to Google some more. But the whole thing about faith is interesting because this is not a religious movie. This is a spiritual movie. And I think that's such an important distinction to make because I think it can make a lot of people, it can drive a lot of people off. Somebody tells me this is a Christian movie. I'm going to be like, eh, you know, I'm not really, that's not really my thing, you know. Um, but I think if you tell somebody it's this, it's more of a spiritual experience. I'm like, okay, I can kind of get behind that. You know, it's more or less like, even though it is the Christian God, like your, <clears throat> like your dad said, you can substitute anything in there. It is just the word of a God, maybe not the God, but a God, something that other, something that should, even though I don't agree with it per se, should be preserved and and you know maybe brought back with <clears throat> maybe brought back with some kind of because they said that what the, I mean everything that happened with religion kind of led to the war right I mean isn't that what we're led to believe right exactly <clears throat> so I'm thinking that maybe maybe they're not going to implement it as hard as they did before but it should still be it, it it's it, I think it's perfect what Gary Oldman says he goes it, it's it's happened before and it'll happen again so society's fallen we're back to kind of like the, the days of just I'm bigger, I'm badder, I murder you and I take your shit. Kind of like the the days before we had a lot of like organized religion. So something like that is what usually ends up being to galvanize people together and, and have some type of moral code. So I, I think I think I'm fine with the story that way. 
But <clears throat> the whole thing of him being, being blind is just so ridiculous. Like, not even the whole, the fact that he makes direct eye contact with several people in this movie, but the the fact that he never takes a lick. I'm like, man, okay, the thing that I don't get is that he's saying God is going to protect him and he, he won't die, blah, blah, and that's fine. You still need to take some damage. Like, I want to see some, maybe like Daredevil, you know, Netflix's Daredevil level of damage. Like, you should get the fuck beat out of you sometimes. You're blind. It doesn't mean you're invincible. And I, I think that's I, that's where it kind of stretched it for me. Uh, I, like you said, it's perfect. They should have had it somewhat ambiguous. Like, there's things that you start to notice as the movie goes on. You're like, oh, that's really odd, especially on a second watching when you know what the twist is, that you can kind of call things as they're coming along and say, oh, yeah, that's totally a, a, a hint right here. But instead of pulling up and showing the eyes with the cataracts and just totally being, yeah, there it is, like, man – I wish that I wish the eyes just would have been closed. Like it's it's not anything like we're focusing on his eyes and we don't really know why. And we're just kind of saying, like, what do you think? Do you think he's blind? You know, he's saying walk by walk by um, faith, not by sight and all these other things. So I don't know. I th I think it's I think it's a I think it's a good movie with a few problems. I think that it tries a little too hard to pull that twist off when it hasn't really earned it. There's. A lot of cool things that, like you said, if they just would have left this ambiguous, it would have been fine. It, it can go. I love when movies allow you two different divergent paths and not forcing you to go onto one thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I really appreciate the fact that this wasn't making me buy into this this thing that he or, or I, I wish this thing would have done that and not push me 100 percent in one way. But I think that it's a, I think that it is a very good movie. I think it's a very good movie with a lot of problems. And we can kind of get more into that as we go on and on. But but I really did enjoy watching this again. I'm, I'm glad I picked it. I've been really wanting to get into, into some post-apocalyptic sci-fi. And I think it's about damn time we, we we picked another one. I mean, we already did 50% of the Mad Max movies in one swing. So it's like, fuck, fuck. I can't believe we did both of those. Fuck. I started having like a panic <laughs> attack after we did it. I was like, oh, no. Um, but damn you, Floyd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> damn you, you smooth, you smooth voice bastard. Um, but those episodes were a lot of fun. You guys, please check them out. Uh, you know, Road Warrior and Free Road episode we did with Floyd Fry from the Pop List. Um, but I mean, without really anything else, do you just want to go ahead and get into this thing? Let's get into this bitch. Awesome. Um, this is this shit is so funny. Him, I mean, you get a right away. You get this insane Fallout vibe. The gas mask, the the whole shit falling off trees, like. Yeah, are you familiar with Fallout Four, or which one are you more familiar with out of the newer ones? Well, Fallout Three and Four. So this, yeah, all of this reminded me of Fallout Four, especially dude, like later when he's like roaming the freeways. Oh yeah, like I told Lindsay, she was like, "That's beautiful." I was like, "I've done that." Me too. <laughs> <laughs> there are super mutants right beneath this bridge. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. There's there's going to be some of those. Uh, some of the mercs, like the gunners. Oh my god, the gunners are a pain in the ass. They're actually well equipped. You're like, oh fuck, fuck, fuck. Um, but no, this whole thing being in the trees reminds me of when you start getting towards the edge of the map, and there's just that foggy kind of glow when you go start going like up north in Fallout Four. Uh, if you're not a Fallout fan, by the way, you're not going to like this episode. To be completely honest, <laughs> like, like you really need to play some Fallout if you're into this kind of movie. Um, I was a huge fan of New Vegas. I loved New Vegas. I, I, I never played that one. Yeah. Oh, dude, that that's that is a that is a damn good story. It's probably the best out of three New Vegas and four and 76 for sure. I think I think New Vegas has one of the best stories of all of it. Great science fiction. Great. Like 
fictional history kind of thing. It's it's abs- it's absolutely a fantastic story. It's one of my favorites. But also, uh, just my, my, minor connection. Uh, Malcolm yeah. McDowell is also in Fallout yes. Three, I think. Yeah, yeah, Henry Henry Patrick Eaton or something. He's the president. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely remember him in it, and I was like, oh, it's Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, I fu- well, the funny thing is, I'm like, oh yeah, from Halloween. I'm like, no wait, that's Donald Pleasance. That's so fucked up. Now I'm now I'm only, now I'm only thinking about Malcolm McDowell. I'm like, wait, 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 no, Clockwork Orange, Clockwork Orange. Um, he, he was in Halloween. He was in the remakes, uh, the right, Rob Zombie but remakes. But it's like, <clears throat> I don't know. It's like thinking of it's like thinking of Alfred from Batman, and you think Jeremy <laughs> Irons, not Michael, Michael Gow. <laughs> like, oh, you fucker, dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we opened with with Eli hunting <laughs> in the forest. I love. I, I this whole fancy feast thing he's got going on, <laughs> like trying to trying to catch this fucking. Please tell me you guys have fancy feasts over there. You know what I'm talking about, right? I know what you're talking about, but no, we don't. Oh fuck! Okay, <laughs> man, you're missing out. It's delicious. Sprinkle a little crackers in there. It's really good. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but we, we I, see, I love we, the ghillie suit, dude. The what? The ghillie suit, like the sniper suit that he's wearing. Oh, I thought you said ghillie food. I was like, oh my god, I, no. well, I got to strap myself into this <laughs> fucking chair. What the hell are you talking about? No, yeah, the suit is awesome. Like, I don't even think it's really for any type of protection. I think it's just camo. You know, I, I, we never see him use it any other time uh, in the movie. You know, no one ever talks about anything being really like polluted. So I was like, oh, okay, cool, that's interesting. I, I, I dig it, just the camo thing. But, but he's. Essentially, I mean, the first 20 minutes of this movie, you can wrap up in about 60 seconds worth of talking, to be completely honest. It's it's very long. It's not it's not draggy. I don't have any problem with it that way. It it shows us a lot about the world that he's in. And it's a damn good script because there's no fucking dialogue for like 10 minutes. And we know exactly what's going on. That's a sign of a good script. It's visual exposition. Yeah, for sure. Right. Absolutely. It's fantastic. Um. But we open, we got Eli lying in an ambush waiting for his fancy feast. He kills a cat, and we get our opening title. Uh, I'm not for killing animals, but a hairless cat scared the fuck out of me, so kill that motherfucker and eat it. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. They're, they are, they're fucking gross. Though. What are you, Egyptian? <laughs> I'm Egyptian. Um, but, I mean, we're kind of given a front row seat to basically the day-to-day life of Eli, right? I mean, he's hunting, he's scavenging, he celebrates finding the new pair of boots, he listens to his iPod, he reads a book. I mean, they're, they're really, I'm just kind of like summarizing it's because it's really just showing us a day in the life of this. The, the What's interesting about him finding the house, that is such a great feeling like when you're walking through Fallout and you're opening up a house and just searching oh, drawers totally. and around like, oh, like Lindsay, uh, when I first got the Xbox, started playing this and she goes, what is this game? I was like, oh, it's post-apocalyptic and blah, blah, and you're scavenging. She goes, I just call this the walking game. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically, it's the walking game. It's that's, Lord that's, of the Rings the game. <laughs> right, yeah, basically, that's all it is. Um, By the way, th- I, Sorry, I, love, I love that even in the future, KFC Moist Towelettes is still the shit. Oh, dude, I mean, because I think they say, I think the movie is set in like 2024 or 2042, it's either one. I think it's it's not either way. It's it. We will see it in our lifetime. Like it's only a decade or two or three away. I can't remember exactly when it takes place. Um, but I mean, they're KFC man. They're kind of fucking in the world. They're the, they're the Disney of fast foods. Zoham, Jesus Christ. Do you guys have those in Australia? You have KFC? What are you fucking kidding me? Yes. Why, fuck. I don't. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm like, dude, like I couldn't <clears throat> live without KFC, dude. That's Matt Vella's uh, favorite food. 
That is, dude, I can't eat it. It makes me, it makes me sick. It's like so, so fucking, gr- like, gr- I'll get grilled chicken. But your, your KFC is a lot different to ours. I've tasted yours and it is, yeah, like our one, our, our one tastes a lot better. It's deep fried Southern garbage. Yeah, it's, it's deep fried something. I don't know if it's chicken. <laughs> I don't know if it's chicken, fuck. Um, no, but I, I've just, uh, I, I, I love this. I love him celebrating getting the boots. That's so great. Seeing it's him great. do his walk. Yeah. Um, did you catch Feed- his, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, feeding the, uh, the, the, the mouse some cat. <laughs> yeah. He's like, now you got to come over here. You can't, you can't play hard to get. And like, like, I like that him talking to the fucking mouse. Did you catch the plastic shit on his feet? I guess those are socks. I was trying yeah. to think like, what logical, like logistical thing that served. But I guess it's, I mean, you don't want your feet just barefoot rubbing around in a fucking hot ass boot all day, you know? Probably to like protect him from disease or something. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. But I, I, I love the efficiency of everything he's doing. The cat oil. I guess he's, at first I thought he was brushing his teeth with it, but he's rubbing it on his lips. I was like, oh yeah, because he's dehydrated. Like he has to hydrate this stuff on his lips, you know, and like, I think they do a great job with that. If you look at everybody's lips in the movie, they're real dry and real crackly for the most part. Uh, I was like, dude, that, that is such a fine detail. I think that's absolutely great. But him, he, you know, he gets the boots, he celebrates. Now there's a few things that tip you off that he's blind right here. Him shoving off the, all the stuff off the shelves and he's kind of like making noise. Cause if you, when he's hunting the cat at the beginning, you think that he's doing the to catch the cat, it's echolocation. Like he does, he does echolocation sits several times through the movie. Did you catch that at all? I didn't. No. Oh shit! Like, like when he there's a part where he's I I can't point it out, but he literally walks up and Carnegie's right there, and I think it's right when he's leaving town, and they're gonna try and stop him, and he just kind of and he clicks his tongue several times, like two or three times throughout the movie. It's like oh shit, it's echolocation. Um. And uh, what's so funny is when he's walking to the door where the, you know, the closet with the dead body in it, he walks right into a table. <laughs> it's like, you blind fuck. Did you, did you catch that? I, uh, I, I caught a few things like this time around, but it's, it's still like, I don't know. I, I'm still sour at that twist. So I'm just like, uh, yeah, okay, I guess. No, it's certainly unearned with like, it sucks, man, because had he, there's some scenes that we'll get to them, but had they stuck to their guns a little bit more with that, it would have been really good. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. He celebrates a new pair of boots. He's listening to his iPod, uh, fucking listening to the Reverend Al Green. Love Al Green. He's a really, really good singer. Um, do you know take who I'm talking about? Take your word for it. I'll take your word oh, for it. It's it's in Pulp Fiction, the when he when Butch is in the the club and he's doing the let's stay together, stay together. It's a really good song, man. That's that's great. It's playing in the club when he's he's like in the fifth. Your ass goes down. It's like and it's such a crazy juxtaposition with Al Green in this conversation that's going on. He's he's really good. My parents really liked Al Green. I listened to him a little bit growing up. And you know, like I said, we're getting a few clues that he's blind. Um, and we see him bust out this book. We don't really know what. We, they don't even show us really the book. We we kind of like cuts off above it or cuts it, you know down on the thing, but. I mean, how long did it take you to pick up on the fact that this was a copy of the Bible? Because the twist of the blind thing is not, I don't think anybody saw that coming to the very end, unless you're just crazy good at guessing. But uh, the whole thing with the Bible was even kind of like a mini twist to me, you know? I, I, um, yeah, I, I put the Bible twist a lot, a lot higher than the, the, the he can't see twist now. Mm-hmm. I mean, like when I was a 16 year old, I was like, he's blind. The whole movie, he's blind. Um, <laughs> but, but, but now I'm just like, man, like I, 
I, I like the twist of the Bible. Like, I, I know it's not much of a twist because that's like the fucking thread of the entire story. But um, I, I like a man. Like, I again, I just wish it wasn't the Bible specifically. I wish it was something, some religious text or something that uh, people like look for, uh, like like a symbol of faith or something like that. I, I wish it was something like that. Um, but I, I, I do, I do like that. I do like what they're doing with the story here for sure. Uh, and it is in Braille. Like you can see him, like holding the like he's he's putting his hands over the pages, isn't he? Right. He's got his eyes. Well, <coughs> they kind of cut they cut the camera up to where you just see that his eyes are closed. So it's like, well, if his eyes are closed, how's he reading the book? Like when you go back and watch it on the second viewing, like, oh, he's reading the book with his hands. Got it. Um, Dumbass. I know, right? I've always wanted to learn a little bit of Braille or like American Sign Language. Like I've always wanted to learn those. Like you can get a really good job and help a lot of people out if you know how to speak uh, like ASL. Um, but I just, I, there's not really, I haven't really met a whole lot of people here that know how to do it. Anywho, um, so, you know, he goes to bed listening to the iPod. He wakes up in the morning, the battery's dead, kind of walks onto this woman um, attached to the, this, I was going to say golf cart, the grocery cart that's been flipped over. When he first walked up, I was like, there is no way. That woman is too well-fed and too hydrated. This right. is a trap. Like, one right. of the first times I saw it, I was like, don't do it, man. There's raiders. There's going to be a guy with shoulder pads and a mohawk, and it's <laughs> you're going to fucking pull out an auto, automatic 9mm. Um, God, I just I love these situations in Fallout because it's me and Nick Valentine. We're both in power armor, and it's like, all right, you're fucked. I love fighting raiders. You're like level 67, like Every vat's shot is just blowing somebody's head off. <laughs> it's so gory, man. Oh, dude, um, this is this is me. Like, this is one of my favorite sort of situations in Red Dead Redemption, where you just like happen across someone uh, in need of help, and like you don't know if they're there to like if if there's a gang that's about to fucking pop out from behind a bush or some shit, or if they're genuine. Uh, I I love these like unscripted moments in 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 games, and uh, yeah, for sure, like this this definitely like rang my alarm bells, dude. I was just like, oh no. <laughs> uh, also, just quickly, uh, the, the, there was a one specific movie that this whole sort of like um uh, uh, visual style just kept reminding me of, and that was um, Terminator Salvation. Like, uh, I, like I only saw the trailers and little bits of okay. that, but I, I I can definitely see that though. Yeah, I mean, like, because uh, obviously post apocalyptic, but like he's like walking on the street and stuff, like right here in this scene, like towards her, and I'm just like, like you you see the cars and like the fucking vehicles thrown about on the roads, and I'm like, man, like that is totally like Terminator Salvation. You could like swap the visual styles for for both of them. Both look dull as shit, but um. And it's not really like a style that I really dig. Uh, I mean, like obviously that's something that fucking Zack Snyder will get really used to eventually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I dig the style, man. I really do. But there's just a few points where I'm like, man, just ease up off that a little bit. Pump your brakes just a little bit. I can use a little bit more color. Like I get it, like the way that the world is and stuff. But they, I mean, Jesus Christ, this is damn near a fucking black and white. Like it's, it's, it's. I mean the dark colors pop out his jacket and Carnegie jacket and stuff, but really everything else. I'm like, man, there's barely a fucking tint to everything. Um, but this, I mean, this is where we really see his proficiency, this part with him being, you know, being locked under the, under the bridge. And this woman 
saying that, you know, <laughs> what does he say? Best thing about no soap is you can smell hijackers from a mile away and they all pop out. The um, Yeah, I know. And they're like, he can smell us from 30 feet away. What's that say about our hygiene? <laughs> Yeah, the, well, the the this leader of this group, I, he seems so familiar, but I couldn't place him in anything. Do you know him from anywhere? Or am I no, just making... I don't. No. Okay, I just want to make sure I wasn't crazy because, like, it's it's also his speech pattern. I love his saying. He's like, uh, "Man, you are." Like, I am impressed. Put your pack on the ground. Go ahead and let it out. And it's like, was this was this guy on like? Was he in Django? Like, I, I feel I feel like this guy's got a a crazy speech pattern, especially when he what he says, "I can't do that, friend." He's like. Take off the fucking pack or die. <laughs> like this, I, it kind of makes me laugh. The first time he says it, he's so over the top, but such a great detail. Again, the lips, the cracked lips and stuff. Um, he is a. I think it looks like he's a stunt man. He's not that much of an actor. Oh From wow, that's say, surprising. Uh, yeah, looking looking at his um his little. Oh, actually, hold on. Sorry, maybe. Oh, his name is Chris Browning. He's from. Bright, Ray Donovan, Westworld. Oh, it's from Westworld. Fuck, awesome. Um, yeah, uh, nothing really that really springs to mind. It's all TV shit, it looks like. Hmm, that's interesting. I mean, it, apparently some really good television shows, though. I mean, those are yeah. just rattled off there. It's pretty good. I wouldn't, uh, I mean, I wouldn't hate being a part of those. But, um, but dude, his, him just decimating these guys. And th- this is another reason why there's, I guess, a little bit more, a little bit more, um, Evidence, I guess, that he that he's blind. He, you know, he he sees the guy talking, but he touches him, and when he shoves him, he's like, "All right, cool. Now I'm locked on. Now, now I know exactly exactly where you are." I've heard it's also the reason why he carries around the shotgun. Why he? I mean, he has the pistol, but the shotgun is always the first thing that he's going with because it's it's kind of just like a general, you know, it's got the spread blast to it. So instead of having to use the the pistol for accuracy, which is still insane later on, we'll cross that bridge. This whole thing, I. I Touch me again with that hand, and you're not gonna get it back. I'm like, oh, like it's at one point when he when he starts kind of like slipping back. I so thought he was gonna be like, and I will strike down upon you with great vengeance and furious, furious anger. anger. <laughs> <laughs> you fuck <I'm>, seagulls, <laughs> dude. I really just like to think that this is Jules from Pulp Fiction, like 30 years in the future. That's all. Like, That'll be cool. Because he didn't, you know, he didn't. It was, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say as he's backing away into the dark, like I like this is one of my favorite shots in the entire movie. It's it's one of the two sequences that I fully remember. Uh, like like I I love this silhouette sort of like fighting, but like I, also as a sixteen year old, I was like, man, I want to see more of this. I want to see more of this shit. Um, it actually reminds me of the scene in Skyfall. Uh, there's this awesome like silhouette sort of like um, action sequence, hand to hand combat scene that Bond has with another sort of like a sniper, and it, it like I love this kind of shit, dude. I want to see more of this shit. You, you know, I've never seen Skyfall. Uh, it's good, dude. It's good. I've I've just never I've never been a big Bond guy. I mean, good movies, but just never really got into them. The uh, I mean, Jesus, this this whole scene. I mean, it's, it's so well choreographed. Uh, Denzel Washington. Trained under Bruce Lee's protege. I'm not sure what the guy's name is. I'm sure I would just butcher it, butcher it even trying to pronounce it. Um, but he was Bruce Lee's protege, and he did all of his own stunts. He insisted that he do all these, like all of the choreography, all these motions, which is really impressive. I'm not only here, but later on in the bar when we kind of get a little bit more of a close up. Now, I can't remember what we were, what movie we covered, but you had a great 
criticism about the action scenes where you were like, I wanted these action scenes to be pulled out a little bit more. I wanted to zoom out. I can't remember which movie it is for the life of me. And I know that's going to drive you crazy. It's like, yeah, you said this thing, but I don't remember what it is. The I think the opposite is here where I wish they zoomed in just a little. Everything is like an outside rotating 300. Logan, there you go. Thank you. Everything is like a rotating 360 degree way far back shot, which is cool, especially underneath this bridge. It's just the silhouettes. It's also an easy way to get away with like, well, we didn't show any blood, but he technically didn't show anything. It's all silhouetted. I think that's great. I think that that probably helps him as far as like the ratings and stuff go. But I, I don't know. It's I mean, it's a beautiful shot. Don't get me wrong. But it's the it's the problem. The problem here with me is the fact that we almost duplicate this again at the bar. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I get you. Um, I, I, I think they're different enough. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't fully know what you're saying. Actually, can you fucking repeat oh, well, that? <laughs> Say a little more clearer. clearer. <laughs> well, okay. So you know, all these shots that we see of him fighting, you know, he's taking, he's always taking on these groups of guys. So I understand that pulling back and showing the how just large it is and the scale of all these people he's fighting. But they're always really far back. There's not ever like the fight, except for when he cuts that guy's arm off. There's almost nothing that's that close up again when it when it comes to like the hand to hand fighting. So I think like in the bar, I I think the only thing they really do a shit ton different is they just kind of like rotate the shot, and that, that's 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 really all it seems to be. Like there's a few of them, maybe one or two, where they show him up close. But other than that, most of them it's just this rotating outside 360 degree shot. I kind of dig that though, like, uh, like it, it's it's different. It's different than uh, like a lot of other sort of sort of like standard action sequences in other movies. Uh, plus, like the Hughes brothers aren't very sort of like action oriented directors. Like, if you think about it, like Menace to Society is not an action movie. Uh, I don't remember any fucking hand to hand sequences in that movie. Uh, and From Hell, like it's the only other one that I've seen. Definitely not not an action movie. So uh, I think. I, I did. I was genuinely kind of surprised because, like, I I much prefer like the the action pulled back. Like, I much prefer that a lot more than like you know the Bourne style sort of action sequences. Right. See, and I'm a fan of it. I I'm just I wish they had done something. I like you said it's different. It for me it's not different enough because it it seems like almost the exact same even angle of the camera. They do pull in a couple of times, but it's like, man, we just we just saw this. And, and the, the scenes are barely even this first fight is at, at the 15 minute mark. The barroom fight is at maybe yeah, it's maybe 10 or 15 minutes later. Like, man, I just I just saw this not too long ago. And it seems like such a such a small nitpick, but it's it's something that bothered me. It's like, oh, I just wish they would have done something a little bit different the second time around. It, it is it is different. But I think, you know, so, something that's not just that rotating shot. And it's cool. Don't get me wrong, but I just, I just, you know, hey, you know, just do something a little different. Let me come down to your lot and sit in your chair and tell people what to do and direct the movie. Because let me tell you, doing that kind of stuff is what gets me in a fucking closet reporting, recording a podcast. All right, you should listen to me because I know exactly what I'm doing. No, you hear that, um, Hollywood. <laughs> You hear that? A guy who runs a podcast somehow wants to write scripts and get into movies. Ah, oh, it's so original. The, um, <laughs> but you know, he fights these guys off. He makes fucking chop suey out of them. He turns them into fucking hibachi steak. The cutting the guy's arm off, and then he goes and he's trying to like kind of pick it back up. He's like, uh, I told you you weren't going to get that back. And he just kind of scoots it away from him. I'm like, God, it shows you just how. 
I don't know, a weirdly, truly efficient kind of like, no, I said I was going to do this and it's, I'm going to do it. You're not getting that back. Like, I mean, what does it even matter, you know? But it's just because he said he wouldn't do it. I think that's great. Um, I like the mercy he shows this guy, kind of. He's like, man, yeah, you did. Who are you? And it, he just kind of gives him that, I don't know, it's not a very slow death. It's just that quick stab. You know, I'm like, okay, cool. The guy drops like that. But um, I think it's also telling that he doesn't take the woman's water. The fact that he knows that she's not going to survive out here if he takes that. And it's like, man, you know, even though I'm not putting a gun to her head, I'm killing her if I take this. That's what I took away from it. I was like, that's cool. He, he just leaves the water behind and says, fuck it. Um, but these guys are cannibals. This is a big thing that pops up in this. Why they asked to see the hands. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they've got mad cow disease. Um, right. It's it's some kind of like neurolog. It's I, I can't remember what the disease is exactly. Yeah, I've, what they I've have. got it for you. So it's it's called it's like it's a Kuru disease. So it's a Kuru. form of yeah, Crutzfeld Jakob disease. Um, basically, yeah, mad cow, um, and it's caused by eating human brains or spinal columns, which is wild. Huh. Yeah. Now I've also heard that that's something you can't get like. It's almost like generational. It would have to be something for years or decades you've been doing it um, for it to for it to take effect like that. But I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. I remember that next time I'm eating someone. Um, but the, the I think this is great. This woman being like, where are you going, West? Can I come? Nope. <laughs> it's like shut the fuck, shut up, bitch. Um, <laughs> he fight, he fights off these scavengers. Uh, a total road warrior vibe with this couple. The biker gang shows up. This part is dark this is some dark shit dude like this is i was immediately thinking of ride warrior and that rape scene dude i was just like yeah oh this kind of shit always makes me extremely uncomfortable like it's one of the few things i can't like to me that's just i mean that's just another form of torture that's like one of the worst forms of torture you can inflict upon somebody male or female to do that to them I'm like good god that is fucking terrible. and the fact that this is such common practice in here and I, I think it also, you know, we're expecting, I know the first time I saw this, like, hell yeah, Eli's going to go down there and fucking, you know, throw some blades and shit. And he just doesn't do anything. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I think the first time, it, like, it shocked me the first time I saw it. Like, this is the guy who's supposed to be our hero and he's not doing anything about this. But it's not in direct conflict. He's like, I can't. I think it also shows you that this world is so polluted with this shit that there is no way you can't save everybody. And he's like, you've got to pick your battles. Like, I'm lucky I came out on top of that last one. If I do that twice a day, every day, I'm not going to make it out. You know, and like, like, what did you think of this scene when you first saw it? Like, were you shocked by this or did you, were you just kind of like, oh, well, I guess, you know, I understand why. Yeah, I, I mean, like, because you, you do get him like telling himself, he's just like, you know, it's uh, you got to stay on the path, stay on the path. But uh, uh, I... It's it's a it's a bit much. Like I mean, like I get that this happens and stuff. Um, uh, like it felt like it went on forever. Like I feel like scenes like this in movies, like whatever they're portrayed, because like that Mad Max scene, dude, in, in uh, Road Warrior, feels like it goes on forever. And I think we raised that on the podcast too. It was just like, damn, like this this feels like it's going on for a very long time. Um, like you know, it's not it's not too graphic, but the fact that we not only get like one but two of these kinds of scenes in this movie. It's just like, oh man, like I, <laughs> like Hughes brothers, you can you can pull back from this just just a little bit, you know. Um, yeah, in terms I, of, I, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, in terms of him like not intervening, I think that makes sense given that his character is kind of like on this on this journey, but he's also 
I don't know. Like, he's also driven by, like, the word of God and stuff. So, like, shouldn't he kind of intervene as well? Right. So, basically, uh, oh, I get it. So, God can't do everything. Got it. No, I'm just kidding. That'd be so fucked up. Take away from it. Podcast over with. God is powerless. No, just some crazy shit. We just um, got uh, an email from the Pope. We're going to be yeah. shutting this shit down. <laughs> he doesn't even know what a podcast is, but we're shutting this shit down. It's like, I don't, I don't like what you said about the church, but like, I think you have a lot of problems you need to fix in your church before you come to my yeah. church. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I saw, actually, dude, I saw a meme just quickly. I saw a meme today. It was like, uh, it, it was from like the written, <laughs> written from like the perspective of like Romans. It's like, while the Americans storm Area 51, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to storm the Vatican to release the children. <laughs> oh god that's fucking great uh yeah if the pope uh, emailed us i would just send him the link to our spotlight episode um, <laughs> nice. um no pope francis is yeah he's all right he's he seems like there's there's things about him i like i'm just you know not a fan of that shit in general but hey that's my own shit if you don't like it fucking turn it is on anyone a fan of that shit in yeah general? <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah he he ignores completely ignores this double murder and sexual assault I put sexy all assault. That's great, Colin. Take it real serious and spell it fucking wrong in your notes. That's great. Wow. Um, this, well, I, I like with the scavenging gang that kind of lured him in before, we see this kind of, there's so many traps being set in this. The way he lures the cat is the same way that they lure him in, kind of. I mean, he just so happens to be walking, but he saw the woman, you know, I guess, I assume. Yeah, he saw the way. Now, is he like Stevie Wonder blind or is he like Daredevil blind? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like, like, I mean, I think I I think that's fair. That's a fair uh, question. I'm not trying to like, like Stevie Wonder is a fucking wonderfully talented person. I'm not making a joke out of it. Like, like, because you know what I mean? Kind of Daredevil has that. He has like a sonar thing. Yeah, but I also know? think that's comic book blind. Like, I don't think that's yes. blind blind. Well, yeah. And I, I like I, I think because it's kind of like radio radioactive waste or something got in his eyes like he's not yeah. completely like 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 and there are plenty of people who use echolocation on a daily basis who are blind they fucking ride bikes like riding bikes down the road and fucking blind and not hitting shit and like that is crazy there's some guy that didn't know washington read about and it's like 40 year old guy i think who lived in japan had a, had a job rode a bike lived all by himself and he's fucking blind and uses echolocation. I'm like, that is, that is crazy. That's so interesting to think of. Like, cause you have to think if he is blind, his hearing is going to be heightened. So of course it, he'll be able to pick things up a little bit more. But when he's putting the beats headphones in, I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Imagine being blind and putting headphones in and being like, well, uh, every one of my, not <laughs> every one of my primary defenses are down. I can, like, I am, I can, I, am I can taste and touch. That's it. That's all I can do. I can taste and touch and smell. Well, That's and, it. And his his smell is great. We get that. But like, you can't smell a bullet, dude. <laughs> like, right. You can't. Right. I'd love to see some bullshit superhero like <laughs> smell and then just dodge a bullet. Like I can smell a bullet from a mile away. Um, but he, uh, he makes his way into this nearby town. That was a lame joke, Colin. Shut up. Um, <laughs> shut your dirty fucking mouth. Uh, I, if that, you know, I'm going to be honest. If, if, if this ever happens, I'm coming, I'm coming to Australia and I'm just going to eat you. I'm just going to eat you, dude. It's over. <laughs> show me your hands. <laughs> show, show me your show hands. Me your hands. <laughs> 
Oh man, um, what are you sorry, doing? I'm taking just, a dump over there? What the fuck? Well, I, I'm drinking my coffee. I'm like my throat's oh. fucking going dry and shit. Talking about sexual assault and Too fucking eating, Aust- eating Australian people. Yeah, you drink. Um, but he makes his way into this town. I like to say this is Good Spring, Good Springs from Fallout New Vegas, or maybe New Town from Fallout Three. Um, but he uh, he goes into change, uh, charges iPod. He goes to this guy, the engineer. Do you know who this guy is oh, in real life? The- Tom Waits. Um, <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> now, his his music is not really my kind of thing. I don't really no. get into it, but I mean, you guys' voice, you got to give him credit. <laughs> like, he was a big inspiration on Heath Ledger to play the Joker. I didn't even read about that till the other day. There's an infamous interview with him that Heath Ledger just studied and really got into that he's, you know, he said it was a mix between, like, Sid Vicious and Tom Waits. I'm like, oh, that's fucking cool. And I... And, I guess I can kind of see it. He's not copying it. He's just taking pieces away from it, which I think is really cool. Um, but this is not the first time he, he and Gary Oldman were in Bram Stoker's Dracula together. I was just uh, about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing Renfield in that Renfield. No, master. Blood. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's great. I always think of Dracula dead and loving it. Have you ever seen that one with Leslie Nielsen? No, I've always wanted to though. Uh, but like Tom Waits is is an actual like he he acts dude. Like he's an actual actor. He was in Domino, uh, that that movie with um Kira Knightley and like directed by yeah. Tony Scott. Yeah. Well, I think I think his what his first foray is like music, but he does. It's kind of like acting is like a. It's kind of like how you see Taylor Swift pop up in movies. You know, I'm like, oh okay, that's a terror. I can't believe I just compared Tom Waits to Taylor Swift. The trailer for Cats came out yesterday and that is blowing up the internet. No, oh, it's weird. It looks like a bunch of like furry deep fake porn. You know what I mean? Like it just looks like, well, I wanted to fuck a cat, but I really like Taylor Swift. So yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah. Every, every bit of that looks weird. <laughs> I want to fuck a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, it, it looks like it looks like meow meow kitty cat deep fake porn. That's all I'm thinking. Um, I'm I'm sure I'm sure I'm gonna be getting my thoughts out on a, on our next upcoming attractions episode. I'm sure if you go see it, I'll be amazed. I um, uh, you know what? I'm kind of intrigued just because of the director. He did the yeah, King's Speech. Make, <laughs> you're like, please, at, as soon as people are walking into the theater, like, and here's your complimentary complimentary uh, glasses and two hits of LSD. <laughs> just something you've got to take right before you sit down. <laughs> Um, but he makes his way into this nearby town. He's charging his iPod. He, uh, meets Tom Waits. Well, we get this, uh, one of the first things about seeing the hands, uh, when, you know, we're talking about this disease. Now, at first I had forgotten about this. I thought this was just something like a disease or spots or something you would see on the hands first. And then upon this watch, I was like, oh no, wait, they're talking about the shakes. I got it. Yeah. Um, I I remember it definitely being some kind of identifier, like from you and like, I I couldn't remember if it was cannibals or not, but I remember it was something like from you and like the savages out there, something like that. Right. Exactly. Um, But he goes across the street while he's, uh, oh, and oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. The shotgun flip. Whoa. That is fucking cool. Yeah. that, That is one of my favorite parts of this whole bitch. Yeah, I wrote that uh, Denzel likes to do this shit in his movies, apparently. Well, like, you know, that's just a theory that I have because he does it in The Equalizer. Uh, like, he, like, literally, there's a guy who's got, like, a pistol to his temple and he just, like, grabs it and flips it around in one shot. It's cool. Um, like, and when he does it here with the shotgun, dude, like, that shit's fucking badass. Uh, well, especially, I mean, he's just, he reminds me of Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse in every way. He's like, he's like, be, you know, tell somebody to get the fuck out, but be nice. Uh, you know, he turns the shotgun and he gives it right back to him. He goes, here, take it. I'm just a customer. 
I'm just a customer. Like he's so chill about shit, uh, especially when he's like, I'm going to get something out of my pack. Take your finger off the trigger. And he's like, yeah, OK, OK. <laughs> I like how this is just commonplace for them. It's probably it's just it's not even crazy to have a loaded shotgun point blank on you while you're doing some kind of transaction. Like it's it's become so commonplace. I, 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 I got to say when the world ends. You know, I, 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 it sucks. I don't want it to turn into this, but at the same time, I'm like, I think I'm going to live for, I may, I'm not going to live for 50 fucking years, but like, I'm going to outlast, like if this were like PUBG or like H1Z1 or something like that, I'd outlast at least like a good couple of dozen people. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to get picked off and I'm going to get eaten and someone's going to have Colin a la carte, but like, I'm going to survive longer than the average Joe, I think. Oh, I dude, say, I'll be I the do. first to go. <laughs> Lindsay said the same thing. She's like, "You can shoot me in the head and eat me. I'm fucking done. I'm not gonna make it." And I'm like, "All right, cool." I mean, can I get that in writing though? <laughs> um, I, uh, uh, I I actually my dog Tom Tom. I rename my dog in Fallout Four to name him Tom Tom. So it's like he's any. I got the I got the Golden Lab like mod. So he's like it literally looks and has Tom Tom's name. I'm like, uh, just me and Tom Tom rolling riding the wasteland, rolling through, rats. rolling through. Um, but he goes and he waits at the local watering hole, the uh, Orpheum, which I, I love that name. That's 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 really interesting. Um, yeah. This guy at the bar, do you know what movie, that I, what I know him from? But he hasn't been, I mean, he's been in plenty of stuff, but I what I think he's most well known for. Do you know who he is? God, the bar, the one that he like slams, like the, the one that he, his, his ass he kicks. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh yeah, I looked I looked him up, dude. Uh, all I know is that he's the ugliest motherfucker on the planet. Um, dude, <laughs> he was in Jawhead. Jawhead is what I remember. Yes, from. well, he's in Eight Mile. He's Cheddar Bob, the guy that uh, shoots himself right. in the foot. That's right. That's um, right. That's right. I, I love Eight Mile. That's a good movie. The the hilarious part is there's a friend of mine I was going to compare him to, and I'm like, all right, well, never mind. I'm not going to drop that now. You're like the ugliest motherfucker on the planet. And I'm like, all right, got to scratch that out of my notes. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm sure he's a, I'm sure he's a decent guy, like personality-wise. I hope you feel good about it. I just wanted to let that sit. I wanted to just let that simmer for a little while. Um, I'm, I'm sure many girls swipe left on Tinder. Left. <laughs> and I said left on purpose. <laughs> um, well, you know, he goes to this local watering hole. Uh, we're introduced to Carnegie, who's rewarding the members of his crew for bringing back an assortment of books, but states that they haven't found the one he's looking for. I love these books. They have like the Oxford Encyclopedia Britannica. Da Vinci Code. Da, da Vinci Code. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it makes sense. There's so many copies of that made at the time. Like... If, if if I mean if if this movie were made five years or ten years later, it would have been uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, like like Ugh. I can totally see it being something like that. Um, uh, and Da Vinci Code is trash. Like I yeah, like you he can. I've never read it. It's it's trash. I've read it. It's uh, I mean, look, Dan Brown's a good writer, but like that book is is trash. I mean, like when he says burn the books, um, I immediately got like a Nazi image in my head. But I, but then I remembered that it's, it was probably like Da Vinci Code. I'm like ah, you know what? It's fine. Yeah, well, it definitely summons up like some Fahrenheit 451 shit. Oh, totally. Um, which I like. Lindsay's read that. I haven't actually got the chance to read it, but I really like Ray Bradbury. He wrote that story that I told you. I'm just in love with. They made a movie out of called The Halloween Tree. It's a great animated movie. I'm I like obsessed with it. To be completely honest, if I if I hear the soundtrack, I'm just like, oh man, nostalgia. And he's <laughs> he's such a great writer. Ray Ray Bradbury's really really interesting guy, but um. 
so this, you know, we were introduced to him. He's, yeah, he says, burn all the other books. We're also introduced to Ray Stevenson is, uh, I can't remember exactly what, it's like Red red Braid or Red red Brain or something like that. I can't remember. And I, well, Red Ridge. It's interesting. Red Bridge, thank you. I like the the names in this: Carnegie, Eli, Solara, Redbridge. Like I, I, I like that. I like the names of this. They're interesting. It's not just John and Bob and Tom and Larry. Oh, totally. you know, I, I love the name Carnegie. That's so interesting. It's awesome. Um, so, I got a I got a question for you though. Yeah, yeah. So you're living in a world where shampoo is a rarity, right? Like it is a it is a resource. Mm-hmm. What kind of dusty ass pussy is this guy about to go fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like what? <laughs> what? I'd love if I'd love if he were like uh, he's like go go ahead and you know tell him so and so you're good and get all the pussy your boys can handle. He's like, can I get like a handful of that before I go down there? I gotta go take care of something. Real he quick. is he is about to walk into a death sentence, dude. Like <laughs> he's about to pick up some shit. Yeah, well, I mean, as soon as he goes into that thing, it's going to be like Indy getting chased by the fucking stone, the Rolling Stone, you know, through, uh, what is it, was it Temple of Doom? No, it's Raiders. Raiders. Sorry, I can't even remember. You know, I honestly never really watched the hell out of those, but I know them. Um, but, you know, good God, yeah, I can only imagine, because that's that's one inter- interesting thing, and, in, like, even Fallout 4, they tend to stay away from, like, the sexual stuff. Which, you know, and, like, they stay away from, from hookers, they kind of stay away from the sexual assault, which is... I know, I mean, who in God's name would ever put sexual assault in the game? Jesus Christ. Like, they might mention something about it where a character has experienced that. But, like, I can only imagine the kind of wasteland pussy that you would get from, from somebody. Like, you wind up fucking somebody fucking somebody, and, and your dick just is your dick is going to turn out looking like Nux from Fury Road. Just it, white and scaly with, like, like, pus all over it and shit. I guarantee you the women that's working at, this, at, at the Orpheum, their vaginas look like Blue Waffle. <laughs> like oh god yeah it just looks like a it just looks like a sideways rb sandwich yeah um, uh just quickly also something we didn't raise dude this is the first time we've ever talked about a denzel washington film like i that did is not true think, yeah. like we like in in in, in tone with like what we were talking about last week with spider-man into the spider-verse this is not the the movie that i i, I thought we'd first talk about denzel with Right, yeah, I, I honestly kind of even slipped my mind because, like, and I guess this is this a good moment to talk about Denzel? Because I, I like him; I got no problem with the guy. I do think he is kind of the same person in a shit ton of movies. I, I think he, I think, I think you can argue that successfully. I don't think that that means he is a bad actor. I think that he has found a niche for him that's really. Remember the Titans, John Q. Uh, there's a lot of movies of his that I, you know, Training Day, the shit that I grew up with, like the early 2000s Denzel, even like Philadelphia, Fallen. I think those are all fantastic movies, but he he's not when you compare him to someone like Gary Oldman and Gary Oldman's villains. Yeah, you can say like he's a bit of an overactor. Maybe sometimes they they kind of blend together, but they are you know, like there's a huge difference between Gary Oldman and natural born killers versus Gary Oldman and the professional versus Gary Oldman and Dracula versus Gary Oldman and Book of Eli. They're, they're all so different. Air Force One. Now, he's such a very different actor to Denzel, but I think that's personally he's not one of my favorite on the planet. Right, I, I don't, I don't think he's overrated. I just wish he switched it up a little bit more. But Gary Oldman is probably one of the only actors that is like that out there. Like, like he is one of the most versatile actors like on the fucking planet, dude. Like, I, I think, I think, I think Denzel is one of the greatest actors of all time. I'm just gonna fucking throw that out there, dude. Like he. 
he he does have he he has fallen into a niche. Like he has found something that works for for him. And like, look, that's fine. But man, if you go from like the character that he plays in Training Day to the character that he plays in Flight, right? Because Flight, like he he's a lot more introspective. He's a lot more broken. Like that, those two performances are absolutely completely stand apart. But then, like, he also does movies like The Equalizer, where he's a fucking John Wick kind of character. Like, he's not scared to take on like roles like that. I, I, I dig it. I dig it, man. Like, he, he's always he always elevates a dog shit script, and I, I, I applaud him for that, dude. Right. I think that if you can compare him to somebody. I would say that he's kind of like he's kind of like a black Keanu Reeves for Keanu Reeves is like the white Denzel Washington, like great in sci-fi, great in action. Careers kind of start about the same time. They both have, you know, they hit big in the 90s and maybe in the 2000s things kind of like he, you know, he's because what, like you said, you've got training day and shit like that that comes out in the early 2000s. But it seems like now since what, like 2013, 2014 and on, like there's kind of like this resurgence in their careers. Especially Keanu Reeves. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's he's kind of having this like reconnaissance like kind of moment. But I I think that I think that Denzel does a great job. But I just I wish he was a little bit more diverse. And I think you can say the same thing about a lot of actors that are like him. I think you can say the same thing of something like uh, Bradley Cooper. You know, like uh, like my kind of actor is somebody like. Um, you know, if I'm going new school, I'm saying like Jake Gyllenhaal, Ryan Gosling. Kind oh, of yeah. Like I, yeah. I, I yeah, love what they do. Sure. But sure. my older kind of actor is somebody like Rutger Hauer or Lance Henriksen or Christopher Walken or Jeff Goldblum, like somebody who's kind of got that quirk going on. Um, And I think that Gary Oldman falls into that group of like the quirky kind ofness versus like Lindell is more of like the straight man. He's the average Joe. He is the cipher for us, the one that we see things through. So he doesn't really play. A lot of, you know, it's kind of like Will Smith. Will Smith kind of is the same guy in a shit ton of his movies. He just maybe changes his motivations up, but it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. It means that he's mastered and honed that down really well. It might not be something I'm a fan of. It's kind of like when when somebody's like, man, that band sucks. It's like, no, that band does not suck. You do not. You, you have to agree that the band or group is most likely talented, but it's what they're doing is what you don't like. It's not the skill itself. It's how they're using it. And I think that's such an important distinction to make that people forget about sometimes and just kind of paint something so shitty. They're like, oh, that movie sucks. I'm like, no, it's just executed not in the way that you like, really. I mean, that's just that's just kind of the only way I can think to put it. But, I mean, he fucking turns – Jesus Christ. He shoes the cat away. You know, this guy is giving him shit for it. And uh, holy fuck, man. He fucking I, – I, like, he bar stomps this fucking dude. And And – because you know that when this guy, his teeth are going to get infected, he's going to wind up getting sick, he's going to be useless, they're, they're going to trick him out at the bar, he's going to give him the old no-dinger adventure because all of his teeth are knocked out. And like, dude, this guy's life just from that one foul swoop. I was like, Jesus Christ, because I don't think we really see him again, do we? I don't remember seeing him in the shootouts or anything. No, no, I don't think so. I think he's just fucking collapsed. I'm telling in you, bar. they fucking put a dog collar around his neck and they leave him in a shed in the back. It's called the fuck shack. <laughs> that's that's, where, that's where they're like, hey, listen. Well, I mean, we got to make you useful somehow. He's probably like a little bit handicapped now. We're gonna call you No Teeth Nancy. We're gonna charge <laughs> him fifty bucks a month, fifty liters of water. <laughs> the fifty ultimate dents experience. in his ass like the tail of a peacock. Um, <laughs> But, no yeah. gag reflex rex <laughs> <laughs> he uh 
but yeah, so he, you know, they wind up fighting with, with him at the bar. This whole thing's kind of like the fighting we had 15 minutes ago, this rotating thing. Now, the one thing I do love about this that is different, Do you are you paying attention to Denzel's face? Are you watching his eyes? Did you notice this? Uh, not Not particularly. His eyes, he never stares directly at an opponent. He's not, he's never like looks to somebody and then moves. He's, his, his yeah. eyes kind of stay uh, to the floor. I get it's that. Interesting. It, it's good, but again, I think that you need to show him taking a beating. He can't dodge every single one of these, man. Like, he, no, he doesn't need to get fucking stabbed in the back and cut 50 different ways, but he needs to have a chair broken over him. He needs to Colin, get punched. he has the power of God, all right? Just. Shut the fuck up! All right, like the 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 pipe oh, yeah. is how, at hey, your how'd door. How'd that go for how'd that go for Joan of Arc? How'd that go for her? Oh wait, how'd that go for Jesus? Oh yeah, no, I'm just kidding. That's terrible. Nailed to a cross. Uh, but like um, uh, one thing one thing I I don't like, uh, and like they try not to show it a lot, and this happens a lot, dude, in a lot of fucking shitty action movies, the one by one attacking. The, yes, like I I hate that shit, dude. I hate that shit so much. I, I think they do. I think they do a decent job of. I, I don't because know. They it's, never it's, show it. Like like they cut a lot here. Like they do the rotating thing, but they also do a lot of cuts. Right. They do a shit ton of cuts. I I, I do think that it's it's one at a time fighting, but it's I don't know. They're kind of like they're feeding in one by one, but I don't know. Yeah, there's really no way to justify that. It's it's like you're you're constantly. Who in God's name, if these guys are, are just some bad, badass fighting motherfuckers, I mean, who in the world would just say, all right, everybody just charge him like one at a time. And and I do like there like there are parts where three or four people are rushing him and he takes one guy and sw- swings him into two and stabs this guy and, you know, does all this crazy, you know, like a like a like a sous chef, just or like a su- sushi chef, just fucking flying around and swinging this weight around and shit. But I think that it's a bridge too far. You're telling me this guy is 100% blind, and I just, I'm not buying it. I, and I think that this movie would be made so much better if, hey, at the end, we start zooming in on his eyes, and one of them is blind. The man, you know, and, and, the, and the land of the blind, the man with one eye is king. Like, cool. That's interesting. Like, you could even say that, you know, it's his faith that makes him not blind to this. Everybody else is blind, so they've given up on these things. And, you know, even, I think it's just, like you said, it's better left ambiguous and we don't need 100% we don't need to see the totem at the end of Inception fall we don't need to see that we will make that decision for ourselves when we leave the theater we don't need you spelling that out for us um and I think it's unnecessary wouldn't it be enough if Carnegie opened up the Bible and it were Braille plenty of people who aren't blind know how to read Braille it's not illegal it's not physically impossible or if he'd open it up and it's like this book's in Spanish or like this book is in French or it's in Latin. Fucking put it in Latin. It could be an ancient text. Like there's so much stuff that you don't have to make him blind for because it's just too much of a stretch, man. It really is. And I, I think it's it's unfortunate because had they just left that out and let the it it's it's for me, it was a mini reveal that he has a Bible. That's cool. That's interesting. Like that's that's I didn't not that I say, oh, my God, I just didn't see that coming. The guy's name is fucking Eli. Um, right, I, I like I like that the MacGuffin is the Bible. I, I do I do love that for sure. Well, and it also hits a point too where if if Carnegie wants it, why do we have to get to a point where you have a shootout and you get shot over the Bible? You already have it memorized. Just give it up and leave. Like, why do you have to take it with you? Yeah, He's I didn't not consider gonna that. learn how to do it. Yeah, it's like you you. I mean, what's the point? We end up coming to a part where you parted with it anyways. 
Like, I don't know. I, that's Maybe that's just a sign of faith that he knows it well enough. I don't know. That's a whole other... I think we can end up going around for days with that. Oh, why not? Um, okay, what's his reasoning for not giving it to Carnegie or sharing it with Carnegie? I don't know. Well, okay. Well, I take that back. Maybe he knows because uh, Salar's mom comes and she gives him the food and the water and he knows that she's blind. And he says, you know, were you, was it the sun or was it the bomb? She goes, I was born this way. If she's born this way, she probably knows how to read Braille. So he doesn't know. Maybe he's thinking, well, if I give up the book, there she is, a translator right here in the town. Like he wouldn't even have to go searching for one. So I guess I can kind of, I guess I can kind of see that, you know, maybe that playing it from that angle. Because he does seem like a guy that he's almost like a, uh, to me, he's like a Christoph Waltz, King Schultz kind of guy. Like he's got all the bases covered. He knows what's coming before it gets there. And he probably knows that if he gives that book over somehow, even if she doesn't want to, she'll be manipulated into translating that. Like, do you, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I can say that for sure. But like now I'm just thinking about like why, okay, with Carnegie's end game, right? Like he's, he, he wants the, he wants the Bible. He wants the text for, uh, for power, like, right. Because like, I mean, like whoever has the, Whoever has that text, like, you know, has has power, like, you know, people will believe, right? Uh, things like that, essentially. Uh, and, and Eli's endgame is to get this Bible to the coast so they can, what, mass produce the Bible again? I, I don't know. Uh, like, I, I, I don't and think ma- he's wait, really hold, on, hold on. Like, if they mass produce the Bible, that will result in people believing again, right? So that's the endgame for uh for for Eli. So isn't isn't Eli's and Carnegie's sort of like endgame similar, except Carnegie's doing it like in in his process he gets power, but like both both of their both of their sort of endgames result in like uh you know people essentially believing again, right? Right. I guess it's say as an example, let's say it's like winning the lottery. Like Eli doesn't want to get the lottery ticket, take 50%, and then distribute the rest of it. He wants to distribute the entire 100% of the wealth. And I think that might be the only kind of distinction between what they're talking about, because I got to say, there's some shit that Carnegie says that makes sense. Like his, But I think his actions speak louder than his words. We see right. the links that he's willing to go to. Um, and maybe not in our fucking comfy, cushion little 2019, where we're not living in this kind of world, we can say, oh, that's fucked up. But it's like, man... Uh, throughout history, I mean, like all, like a, a lot of progress was made on the backs of some terrible actions and some very horribly afflicted people. I mean, that, that's that's just kind of like the way that it is. And I'm not saying that that's okay or that justifies that. I'm just saying that sometimes when you when you're set back to this type of standards of living, I mean, it's kind of like nature's law. It's like what what can happen will happen. It, it, like whatever is physically possible is what's going to happen. So I think that I, I, I'm not saying I agree with what he's doing, but I don't think that this is a man who resorted to violence and prostitution and, 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 and threats of death right away. He probably tried something different at first and ended up coming to this conclusion that most people aren't going to listen to you until you shove a barrel of a gun in their face. And I, th- I think that's what's interesting about Carnegie is it's very easy to write him off and say that he's this two-dimensional bullshit kind of evil guy that wants to control people with the Bible. But he makes a compelling case. He, he's saying, I don't – listen, I've done some terrible things, but if I have that book, I don't, I don't have to do terrible things anymore. But you can say, well, you never had to do them in the first place. There's a really interesting argument there. He's kind of 
making excuses morally for what he's doing. You know, he's doing kind of like moral backflips to get to like when he grabs Solara's mother by the hair. I think it's Claudia grabs her by the hair and he's like, you're hurting your mother, Solara. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, you don't get to do that. You're not you, you like you're not scapegoating responsibility onto her because you're saying you have to do this to get the book. Uh, but I don't know. I think that I think that there could definitely be a movie taken from Carnegie's perspective um, and seeing exactly what his intentions are, because they made a few comic books out of this. Did you know that? Well, I was just about to say that, man. I feel like some of this is based on a comic book. Like there are some really sort of like Vertigo-esque shots. Yes. <laughs> the, uh, well, in the movie, the movie came first. Apparently, the Hughes brothers were big on storyboarding. Uh, they storyboarded, storyboarded damn near every single shot. Every single shot that was storyboarded made it into the movie for the most part, except for two or three deleted scenes. But they had graphic, you know, I mean, graphic artists and designers come on and draw these scenes out. Him shooting the cat at the beginning, you can find them all online. Um, and the thing with, um, oh, God, not, I almost said Cardigan. Carnegie. Jesus Carnegie, Jesus, man, I was smelling burnt toast for a second. I thought I was going to have a stroke. Um, but with Carnegie, it's interesting. His name's Billy Carnegie, and his comic book starts with him as a kid. His parents are alcoholics who spend who send money off constantly to these religious groups, but they live in like a shanty house, and they're losing all of their money. They beat him and shit, and one night he gets up, pours gasoline through the house, and lights the house on fire while they're drunk and pass out and just leaves. I'm like, whoa. Seems like a Gary Oldman move. Yeah, I was like, that's some that's some fucking like that's some character origin right there. That really tells you a lot about him. But was he justified for doing what he did? I mean, I don't know. It's like right when all the bombs started falling and shit. So was he better off for doing that? I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Carnegie just presents a lot of interesting questions because what he's saying is he does. But he does flat out say that this is a weapon. So I don't think his intentions are really all that well. I guess at the end, like he wants people to know this book. But he has to his his success has to piggyback off of the rise of this book. And I think that that's where it's like, well, you aren't really doing it for the right reasons. So I think that's where things get like kind of grave. Who's to say Carney gets the Bible and he doesn't print any other of them? He's like, I have the one. This is it. You have to take me for my word versus these guys on Alcatraz are probably going to mass produce this shit. So I I don't know. I think that's probably more of the distinction right there. Um, But um. But yeah, so he fucking, you know, he fucking shreds these guys up. <coughs> um, yeah, the, the the rest of the gang, you know, when they're closing in on him, he's reading Genesis 3.17. Curse be the ground for our sake. Both thorns and thistles this shall bring forth for us. For out of the ground we are taken, and for the dust we are, and to the dust we shall return. Uh, he slices and dices to these guys. Uh, Slar eventually walks out and yells for him to stop. Uh, Carnegie sits down with Eli and asks for him to come and work for him. But he refuses. Uh, Carnegie then offers him to stay the night and enjoy the hospitality. Uh, a little, a little advice, Walker. It's not a choice. Oh, there's always a choice. That's a good line. There's a very good line. I dig that. Um, and of course, this is Carnegie. You know, buying people out like right away, uh, and he can sense that there's something different in Eli as well. I mean, I'm sure the guy just took on 15 people in a bar and didn't walk away without a scratch. So yeah, I'd be like, hey, can I come live with you? <laughs> like, can you protect me forever? Um, uh, but yeah, he's shown quote unquote hospitality. He's locked in his fucking room. Um, he's shown some hospitality by Claudius, uh, Solara's blind mother, while Solara herself is forced to try and seduce Eli. Man, that's some fucked up shit. Um, I like, 
that Solara comes in, he smells the shampoo. He asks if she were she was blinded in the in the war or the I'm sorry in the yeah well I guess in the war in the bombs that fell or if it was from the sun. She says that she's born blind. Uh, this this all all this shit is great the, with with both of them coming in. Um, what did you think of? Because I mean that's really just a short scene with Claudia. There's not a whole lot to talk about. We're just kind of introduced to her first right there. It is interesting that we have another blind person like on the premises. It kind of gives them something to like relate about. I, I I do like the scene between them, even how, albeit how small, like it is. I think that's interesting. Um, but of course, they send Solara. This scene, but between Claudia and um, oh god, Jesus, how am I forgetting Eli? his name again? Oh, oh, oh no, Carnegie. No, Carnegie. Jesus Christ. God damn, dude! I swear to God, I'm dying over here. Um, but where <laughs> she's begging hell. him not. To, <laughs> well, he's she's begging him not to send Solara in. He's like, oh, I need to get some kind of use out of her for one. So you assume that this has never, probably never happened. She's never been turned out like that. Um, but I mean, it's like, that's one thing that does kind of chat my ass. Like, I like Mila Kunis in this. I think she does a great job. But I can go without the, she looks like a Revlon model still. I'm like, wipe all that fucking makeup off. Like, look yeah. at Denzel and yeah. then look at her. And I'm like, dude. I'm not saying like I'm not one of those. I'm not telling you how to dress or how to look. I'm just saying that if you want me to believe that this is a post-apocalyptic future, you can knock that shit down like a little bit. But I guess they are of like a higher class if they're with Carnegie, you know, like they do. They put up with a lot of his shit for a reason. He probably for, provides them shit like that. I don't know. Yeah, we should definitely get into the specifics of the makeup of this fictional <laughs> world and how L'Oreal and all this shit works. Maybe it's um, Maybelline. <laughs> Um, maybe she's worth it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Um, the uh, I'm sorry. We're instead, yeah. He rejects her, but she begs to stay out of fear that her mother will be abused if she fails. That's I love that. That's that's such an interesting. She's smart. She knows exactly what's going to happen if she walks to that door, and she doesn't have a book, or she doesn't give them some kind of information. I think that's that's absolutely so realistic. It's fantastic. Uh, through the night, we see the two talk about the old world, and they have a meal together with Eli teaching her how to pray. Uh, what do you think about these scenes? What, what, what are you picking up out of this? Yeah, I like this man. Like it's, um, I mean, number one, it takes. Uh, <laughs> you'd have to be blind to turn down Mila Kunis, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Uh, but I, I like, I like, uh, I like Solara here. Like, I like how desperate she is. She's like, yeah, like, like what you said, dude. Like, you know, he'll fucking hurt my mom if I don't do this, right? Um. But it's it's good because she's also very curious. Like she she's just wondering like what the fuck the book is. She can't even read. Um, I I like it all. I like it all, and I like how defensive Eli is too because he's just like, uh, he's so he's so uh driven with his mission that he's just like I I don't want any distractions from this at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he'd love to get in there and fucking bump her guts around, but he's like, I'm on a mission. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't take off work, baby. Um, <laughs> the next morning, Solara returns home and prays over breakfast with her mother, which Carnegie catches. That's so good. Where she's like, and uh, I guess that's everything for now. He's like, Amen. And, oh, dude! As soon as he says it, you're like, she's in deep yeah. shit. Yeah. Well, you, you see, know he's in deep shit. Right. Exactly. Well, you see, like Carnegie's, like it's kind of like a shot from behind, but you see his head kind of like stop. He's just like, wait, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Exactly. I, I love Gary Oldman has that great Southern Baptist feel. Like, I feel like I, I went to church with this guy or I worked with this guy. I know 
I, you know, it, it's even something like Negan in Walking Dead was such an inconspicuous Don't you he was fucking like a gym dare. teacher. Don't you fucking <laughs> dare. <laughs> well, I'm talking about comic book Negan. You know, he is a fan favorite, but in no, you the didn't. comic book, you didn't mean old. that at all. I know you didn't mean Fuck that at you. all. <laughs> Fuck you. I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Um, I do too. I, I just don't like The Walking Dead. <laughs> no. Well, it's, and it, he's just such a, from such an innocuous beginning, from just a small, unassuming beginning that this person would rise into this tie. It's always the last person you expect. I think that's interesting. And I, that seems very believable out of Carnegie. Um, through violent interrogation, he forces her to reveal that he is indeed in possession of a Bible. Carnegie rushes to Eli's room, only to see that he has vanished. Uh, Eli gets his iPod back from the engineer, and Carnegie's crew <laughs> confronts him outside with a shootout ensuing. Dude, 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 dude. dude. <laughs> fucking Red Red shooting that fucking guy. <laughs> oh, dude, that's great, He's just man. like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Bang! What? Okay. I'm sure you guys have uh, a lot of henchmen to go around, then. Yeah, exactly. It's very like, what are you, Darth Vader on the on the Death Star? On the Death Star just dropping Admiral people left and right? Yet. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, hey, I, where's Solara? We said we trade. I have altered the deal. Pray I do not alter it farther. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, no, yeah. So this is where we get this. We get the shootout. You know, he's well, he and he's also he's mani manipulated uh, Solara. That's a really great scene. I just didn't want to go past that too quickly. It's great physical acting from uh, from from the two of them. Uh, and I lo I love all of it with Solara holding up the cross with her fingers because like, she can't read. She has no idea. It's like this is this is good, man. Right, I, but she I knows enjoy the symbol. all of this. Yeah, for sure. Right. So, uh, you know, the shootout kind of ensues. I love him. Well, I love him getting the iPod back. He's like, all right, just unplug it. Okay, okay just unplug it. Like, he kind of gets pissed, and he's like, you tell him I force you to do it. Say it to me. Say it back. <laughs> and he's so nice. He's so nice to Tom Waits. Yeah, so this uh, the shootout ends up happening. Carnegie is injured, and many men are killed with Eli leaving town. So this is where I start calling complete and utter bullshit. Um, with this pistol shooting people from 40 feet away, headshots. Like, nah, man, like, I don't care how blind you are. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care if you have complete sight. Like, you would have to have 20-20 vision and be so proficient with firearms to get be able to get that shot off. Like, there were even the range of the pistols themselves. I'm like, I know that's going to go for a while, but this is just, I don't know, it's a stretch. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I really enjoy this movie, but I think if they just dialed this down a little bit and just make this four or five guys having a shootout with him and he's not just some superpowered Neo from the Matrix, like, badass. I think if they scaled all this down just a little bit, I, I would enjoy this movie. I would enjoy this movie more. But it's I, like, I, what, I liked it. what are they saying here? Are they saying, like, the, the power of God is, like, helping him with his aim? I, I mean, I, I totally like that's believe the only so. They, thing. Yeah. Well, and they even say that later on after he saved Solara from those, uh, you know, from those uh, scavengers. They're like, oh, it's it's like he's protected by something, like he's invincible or something. And I'm like, wow, way to just Mr. Mr. fucking state the obvious right. over here. Just drop right. that on everybody. Also, um, I don't care how much God is fucking aiding your bullets. That shotgun does not have that range. No. Oh, no my fucking God. Way. That is, for one thing. It, the shot is from 30 feet away. He kills one guy and clips Gary Oldman right. in the leg. It's like, wow, this is well, this must well, be like GoldenEye where you have God <laughs> mode and you just pull a trigger and people die. Well, immediately after he clips like Gary Oldman, you cut to that shot of Redridge and he's like looking around. He's like, what? How did that happen? So is that fucking God guarding the fucking shotgun bullets? <laughs> like that yeah, far? Right. Like what the fuck? Does the movie know that? <laughs> Yeah, they, well, you get some, like, crazy Kennedy magic bullet theory where, like, little did, little did we know that God was totally on Lee Harvey Oswald's side, and he guarded, he guided the bullets. Back like, and all, to the like, left. 
back and to the left. <laughs> Dude, is that Bill Hicks? No, no, that's fucking uh, from JFK, the movie JFK. Uh, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, Bill Hicks would do that in his set all the time. He's like, you know, because he shoots him from the front and his head goes back and to the left. <laughs> like, it's, it's so fucking good. Nah, dude, like, like that's, from, um, that's from the Oliver Stone movie, JFK. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. This scene, I, I do dig it. It, it. it is shot well. I, I do. I like the fact that he empties the clip of the pistol and he just drops it and he's like, goodbye, and just starts shooting with the shotgun. I, I just, you know, it's a little bit over the top for me. It's, it's gratuitous, and I didn't need him doing this insane shit again. If you scale this back just a little bit, then it's so much more ambiguous later on. We're like, I can say, well, what he's doing is not crazy. If he shoots a guy point blank in the chest with a shotgun and they're all shooting at him, somehow he's able to get away. I believe that more than, you know, him pop going out there with his David versus Goliath slingshot kind of thing and annihilating all of these guys. I, I just don't buy it. But on the roads, uh, he leaves. Solara follows him and bargains with him for water. She'll take him to their supply if she can come along, but he tricks her, locking her behind in the cave. I, I love that. That's great. She's like, hey, what are you doing? You said you'd take me with you. No, you said you'd take me with you. I didn't say shit. <laughs> like, I never said I'd take you. Well, and, and we get a little bit more of Carnegie's kind of intent here. She says he knows of two or three other springs up north and he wants to open up more settlements. It's like, I guess like what he's doing is inherently good, quote unquote, but like it's got to be at a cost of all these people. Like he's going he's kind of like the guy that loans you 20 bucks and will hold that over your head and, you know, be like, hey, man, let me buy him a cigarette. Ah, you know, man, I just bought this back. Oh, well, dude, I, I let you borrow 20 bucks. Like I hate the type of people that will help you out with something like that and then use that to dangle over your head. You know, I've I've, I've done that before where it's like, dude, if you're going to let me borrow something or let me use something. um, Yeah. You know, and like. I appreciate you helping me out, but that doesn't give you like leverage to kind of like bargain over me with stuff. You know what I mean? Like I, I've always, I think that's where, uh, that's where Carnegie's kind of fucking up. You know, he's very selfish about it. He's, he doesn't really care about these people. It, what's good for them is good for him. And I think that's what separates him so much from Eli and their intent, their intent together is what's so important. Right. It's a selfish yeah. versus selfless. Right. Exactly. A hundred percent. So Carnegie sends his men off to find Eli and Red Ridge bargains for Solara. I love this thing with Red Ridge. Uh, you got You really get a sense that he cares about her. Like he he doesn't he's not if he wanted to, you know, he probably could have he probably could have had that forcefully if he wanted to by now. I know that she's still protected by Carnegie and stuff, but he seems like Carnegie's number one guy. So if he's like, hey, if I don't get Solara, I'm out of here. I think that's totally something that, that that they could have worked out. But he doesn't want her in that way. You know what I mean? I appreciate it, but I feel like it just comes out of nowhere, dude. Like, I, I feel like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. Like, it just it's, it feels so out of left field. Right. We could have used a little bit more establishment yeah. of that. A little, like, a little bit more when, setup would have been nice, I think. Right. Well, we went totally by the scene. It's not huge. But when she's going to get water for Eli and he stands in front of her like, hey, and she's like, will you move, please? And he just goes, sure. And just steps back and moves. It's like, Wow. I mean, you're still an asshole, but among these guys, you're a fucking gentleman. Like, you're like Jesus. Like, like um, among these guys, this like these, among these people who would shoot you point blank with a shotgun and fuck your dead body and eat it. This guy seems like George Clooney and a brother art thou, just the most dapper gentleman in the world. Uh, oh God, that's lost on you, you fucking savage. You haven't seen a brother art thou. It piece is. of shit. This is why I'm eating you. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, uh. But yeah, but this whole thing with Red Ridge, I like. I like the fact that he wants to, he just kind of wants a, I, I think, a little bit of a better life for her. I, 
we establish Red Ridge in this way where, you know, with the scene where he stands in front of her and she lets her by, when he goes to shoot Eli at the end when he's leaving, he doesn't pull the trigger. And I think that's so interesting. It's very telling of Red Ridge where either A, he's he's kind of like, listen, no, just go. I'm not going to fuck with you anymore. Or B, he knows that even if he did, it's not going to matter because he's protected by this thing. I think I think by the end of it, Red Ridge is a believer in this, whether or not it's for the right reasons. You know, maybe he's forced to maybe he's forced to accept it. You know, while he's on death's doorstep, but either way, I think he is a changed man by the end of this. And you can tell he's just, he's not as, he's just not like the other guys. You know what I mean? He seems like a little bit smarter. He's still, I mean, he's still a bad guy. He's probably in a horrible shit, but I, I do, I do enjoy the very minor arc that he gets. They could have left him two dimensional, but the fact that they even try a little bit, it, it helps the movie. It helps push it forward a little bit for me. And I like Ray Stevenson. He's a terrible punisher. Um, don't punish for punish for war, war zone. Ryan's with something called a Um But he's good in the other guys. He's he's great. He's like he's, three he's things I love. Got a great like, Australian accent. <laughs> oh yeah. Now he's not Australian, right? No, he's British. Oh yeah, dude. He's like there's three things I love: Kali Minogue, dimples, small dimples about a woman's buttocks, and the fear in a man's eyes when he knows I'm going to hit him. I'm like, that's so good. That's a good line. Love man. it. Uh, but I tell you what. Before we get into this thing with with Solara and getting back into the in the second half of the movie, guys, we're going to take a break. What we call a little intermission around here. Let you guys fill up your drinks, take a piss, get back to your seats, come check out the second half of Book of Eli. Guys, we will be right back. who made it this far into the episode just while we're taking a quick break here we've got a few things that we just wanted to put out there for any newcomers or if you're not part of our growing community maybe this could benefit you too Firstly, we just want to let the newbies know about our episodes and the way Midnight Double Feature currently structured. As you know, right now you're listening to one of our feature presentations. When we started the podcast, we basically built the show around our feature presentations. These are movies that we choose to cover and basically go through everything in the movie that's worth talking about sequentially. These episodes are generally longer and we're definitely looking at ways to spice up our feature presentations by hopefully getting guests on. We also have our upcoming attractions episode. Typically, these come out during the week and are much more shorter than our feature presentations. These are hosted by Matt Vella and basically consists of a conversation between Matt and I about any movie news that's worth talking about, quick reviews of movies that are out of the cinema and other hijinks. Finally, we have our special features. These are usually one-off special episodes that are mostly experimental and don't really have any specific definition. They could be a sit-down with a cast or crew member, a conversation between the hosts, or just a straight-up different thing that might not even relate to film. Before I let you get back to the episode, I just wanted to thank our listeners and supporters. We definitely couldn't have done any of this without your guys' constant support. If, for some reason, you're not a part of our growing community, head to our socials. We've got two pages on Facebook, Midnight Double Feature, which is our main page and has our formal announcements, and we also have the After Party, which is where we post memes, news, and teasers of what's to come on Midnight Double Feature. We're also on Instagram, which is at Midnight Double Feature, and Twitter, which is at MDFPod. You can also send us an email if you have any grievances or would like to let us know what we're doing wrong. That's uh, MidnightDoubleFeature at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, guys. Back to the show. Hey guys, what's going on? Coming at you with our second part of the coverage of Book of Eli because we are freshly squeezed, as we like to say around here. I'm going to get that tattooed on my forehead. 
Uh, <laughs> what's that from? Well, it's funny you should ask. Uh, <laughs> it's from our little known podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's what it's what I say right after I right after I pump a dump in somebody's crawl. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, but we're picking up right here with Solara going off on her own. She's just got separated from Eli. We've got uh, Red Ridge. Is that Red Ridge? Am I saying that right? Yeah, Red, Red Ridge, Ridge is yeah. uh, making this bargain for Solara, saying that he'll go after the book if he can have Solara. So we've got a, you know, just kind of like picking up right where we left off. She hits the road, but she stopped by this uh, the same stranded woman that we see at the beginning. I like that. I, I like that detail that it was the same woman. I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. Was, you know, it's it maybe makes the world seem a little bit smaller, but like it's not like this bitch is getting in a fucking car and driving. You know, she's like, well, I gotta go somewhere and find find someplace I can scam people off. And 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 Eli leaving her alive leads her to this situation. Um, but I I also really like that the woman, like once she sees uh, <laughs> once she sees Solara, she's like, no, no, you need to go. You need to fucking leave because these these men will actually destroy you. I was going to add that. That's exactly what I was going to ask you is what you thought about that. Cause like, that is kind of interesting. Like, it, it gives, it kind of fleshes out that villain a little bit. I mean, even though she's not even really a villain, but whatever. There's she's some an obstacle. there. Yeah. And they know, right. they know who they're targeting for sure. Right. I thought, I thought that was pretty cool. Gave her, I don't know, just, just a little, just a little bit of backbone, a little nice bit of little like touch. backdrop. Yeah. 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 I like, I liked it a lot. She ends up uh, being attacked by these two men who are about to go all fucking Shawshank on her. And I was like, oh my god! Like that, especially when you start hearing the clothes being ripped. I was like, oh man, that's getting that is that is just some highly detailed like shit for for something that I feel like you know a, a normal movie would kind of breeze over stuff like that. But they let these scenes go on for a minute. yeah. This went on for a it, very long time. It, it I hate it, but at the same time. Given the situation and given the climate that they're in, I was like, it, it, I hate it, but at the same time, it fleshes out that world even more. I mean, I get the and point. It, it's, I get, I like, right. you know what? I get, I get the point. This could have been probably like 15 to 20 seconds shorter. Like, you know what I mean? No, abs- absolutely. I, I can definitely see that, especially once they're like holding her arms back and shit. It's like, man, this is going on for a while. It's not like going on like the length of a Family Guy sketch or anything, but you know it's still it's going on for a hot minute. Also, arrow, well, they, arrow to the dick. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, they're try, they they're trying to rape her. Eli shows up. What cracks me up is he shoots the one guy through the dick. The second one gets up and looks around like, where is he? Yeah, and then he's the just fuck? right in front of him. That's what that was, was my like, thinking. Like, yeah. What? What did he teleport there? Like you were just looking in that direction. <laughs> Right? Do you have Harry Potter's like magical little fucking blanket that makes him invisible? Like how the how hey, the fuck did you hey, do that? Settle down. It's an invisibility cloak, not the fucking blanket. Oh god! You, need you, know, ba- what, you know what? You need to know your place, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, you know what else had you know what else had an invisibility clo- invisibility cloak on it? Uh, Rupert Grint's career after Harry Potter. That's that's to tell you, that's what had an yeah. invisibility cloak on it. Yeah, that's yeah. All right, I'll give you that one. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair game. The, the Ginger Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> yeah. The two, uh, you know, so he saves Solara. The uh, I, lo- I like them hunting the bird, and he, he's telling her to be quiet so he can hear the fucking bird as he hunts it. The t- and I, I like the fact that he's giving her the bow to break down because that's something that she needs to learn. Oh, yeah. I think he kind of knows, like, you know, once I'm done with this, I'm done. I'm going to, 
you know, hang my hat up wherever I end up, wherever I end up. So all this shit's yours. Need to learn how to use it. The two eventually camp for the uh, night. Hold, hold on, Colin, hold on. Uh, this, sorry, sorry, what? The, the, the length of time it takes for him to track this bird, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Because, because look how easily he was able to dispatch those men before. And now it's like, I need to take some time to, like, I need some silence. I need to take some time to fucking bend down and, like, feel like, like where it is. Uh, I don't know. I feel like his level of proficiency changes, like, throughout the movie. See, now the only thing I dug about that is if the thing is, if he's surrounded by people and someone's making noise or someone's talking or you can hear them loading the gun or something, it gives him like an echo location. But when there's nobody around and he's there's the one thing he has to bounce off of, which is the bird, which is amazing. I don't know how he does that, but he needs that utter silence to to, to narrow down perfectly. I, I, I did. I did buy that because there's not anything to bounce it off of. But. And the thing that bothers me most about it is just like, dude, this guy can't be any kind of blind. I'm just, there's no way. There's he no just way. shot of a, he shot a bird out of the sky with a fucking bow and arrow. But I think we've, I think we fucking beat that, beat that goddamn horse to death. But we're not even at the know, reveal yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, it's a, it's a controversial twist in this movie. You know, it's, it's, it's. I think you either love it or you hate it. But you know, they're camping for the night. Eli tells uh, an inquiring Solara about the book. Yeah, we get this. He's quoting Psalms twenty three four. Uh, you know, walk through the valley of shadow of death, is for fear no evil. Blah blah blah. That's that that same old bag. He quotes uh, Psalms for her, and he says that after the war, everyone made it their business to burn the book that most and that most people blamed it for getting them into the war in the first place. That's interesting. That's some good war, world building. The the fact that I mean, kind of given I guess the climate at the time twenty ten. This is post nine eleven, so we're seeing. A lot of you know we're we're seeing this like a like a terrorism that <clears throat> people like people like you and I would not take the worst parts of a religion we believed in and, and pursue those to the extreme. And I think, but that's something that like Carnegie would do. I think that's one reason why it shouldn't fall into Carnegie's hands because he's not going to do this for the right reasons. He's going to exploit this, uh, and I think that's kind of something that that maybe it's based in. Old Old Testament or some of like some poorly interpreted parts of these religious doctrines in these religious books, but I th I think it's interesting so, interesting something something worth noting right there. It being 2010 and then set in 2030, something where you know we end up you know you know Iran ended up getting a nuclear warhead or North Korea and everything just went to shit. Uh, I I, lo I love and fall that it's just the U.S. and China. They're just constantly going head to head, and it ends up being like a full nuclear war, and nobody knows who threw the first stone. I think that's I think that that's what I liked about it. And you can you can see these big craters when they're walking around outside in the world. Did you notice any of? Those? I did. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was like a meteorite or some shit, but it was. Yeah, it makes more sense for it to be like a nuclear crater or some shit. I do. I dig that. That's that's really good world building. He claims that he heard a voice that helped him find the book and told him that a path was laid before him to the West. Uh, she's like, you heard a voice. He goes, clear as yours now. I'm sure she's like, all right, this guy's fucking crazy. That's cool. I got to get out of here. I'm like, I'm going to go. I'd rather go hang out the fucking cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the next morning, the pair find themselves upon a large white house in the middle of nowhere that fall into a pit trap at the front door. Do you know, uh, this is George and Martha. Do you know who plays George? No. This is fucking Dumbledore, the guy who took oh, Michael the place Gambin. of Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was, uh, I saw Michael Gambon in the cast, right? Like literally just before we sat down to podcast, and I was like, "What? Where was he? Maybe he was like somewhere in the town or something like that." But okay, yeah, that's I didn't even pick up on it. That's crazy. 
<coughs> and I, 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 I dig this a lot, the, the imagery of this. I, I mean, you wouldn't call it just a palace, but compared to most places, this place is a kingdom. You know, the, this this house in the middle of nowhere. I, I really I really dig the hell out of this, though. This seems like a cool um, kind of like the Mad Max video game or like Fallout, the kind of side quest that you'd go on. You know, I, I, I dig the hell out of that. And, 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 I, and I like them as characters. They're not I mean, I don't know their intent with Solara and Eli. I don't I mean, do you get the feeling like they are just going to kill him and eat him? I don't get that feeling. I, I get it when when Eli goes for the door and he pulls out the gun and George is kind of like alarmed. I, I get the fact that that's just how you react when someone pulls a gun on you. But did you get the feeling like they were going like, you know, in Judge Dredd, when Rob Schneider sides with like the fucking family from Deliverance? Like, I don't get that kind of feeling from it. What about you? <laughs> no, not not immediately. But I mean, like, I think that threat is always kind of there. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> you are sitting with people who could eat you. Um, like that is that is always something that's probably going to be in the back of your mind. Um, I have a I have another little um, little. It's a minor little niggle. She serves them tea, but water is so fucking uh, rare in this in this world. I don't. Uh, yeah, I well, I I think that's. I think I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say like, oh, I think it's a bit much. I I don't really think it is, but. I think that it is something kind of like odd that that I was like, oh, I, but granted, the fact that these are older people I think that they're probably just to have some kind of people over and just have some kind of sense of like humanity. What it was like just to have somebody come and hang out over and hang out over for tea. This is not something that I don't know. Solara has never, you know, has never thought about sitting down to eat. You know, when she goes to eat the food earlier, like this is something that's not it's just such an uncommon practice. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I can't quite like. Why would you invite these people over for tea and be all nice to them if you're just going to murder them anyways? Because they're not trying to take over the house. They seem like they're really just trying to kill people who are coming for their shit. Maybe because they're hungry. From them. Maybe they're running out of food. Like, I mean, if there's no, if like, like, think about it. How many people do you? How many strays do you reckon they get out here? Well, they have like fucking thirteen graves or something. I was like, "Holy shit, that's that's fucking crazy." I I, I dig it though. It's a cool. I I like I said. I feel like these are characters you'd bump into in like a post apocalyptic RPG. They they feel like very real. I, I I like that. But they you know they they invite them in for tea and they show them their graveyard of trespassers. Uh, soon enough, they put together that the couple are actually cannibals and attempt to escape, but are found by Carnegie's men. I dig, you know, when she's bringing out the tea set and her arms are shaking. Fuck the China. She's like, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, oh my God. Well, well, like not, well, hold on, we're not at that part yet. Like when she, when she brings in the tea, you're just kind of thinking, oh, she's an old woman. She's just got the shakes. But oh, I just put out the good China. Fuck the China. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good line, man. I love that. So yeah, they're surrounded by Carnegie's men. The elderly cannibals produce an unusual amount of firearms and shoot, and a shootout occurs, which sees George and Martha killed. Yeah, I another just I don't know. I didn't I didn't need this much. I didn't need the Gatling gun. I don't need a rocket launcher. I don't need George and Martha having pristine, fully automatic weapons hit. And I was like, dude, those are in way too good a shape. Tell like, you what, he pops them up. I was like, what's that? I uh, I didn't need it, but I'm glad it's here. Like this action scene is so fucking memorable, dude. No, I I enjoy it. I do. I I, I dig it, but. At the same time, I'm like, I don't, I don't need it. I think it might be a little bit too much. It, it takes, it takes me out of it just the hair. The fact that we have an armored truck and and a you know a, a pedal powered Gatlin gun and rocket launchers is like Jesus Christ, man. Like you, you could have the same effect with just you know 
four or five guys out there with semi-automatic weapons because they're still going to be outgunned and outmanned, but they're just, they're just, I don't know, they're just going over over the top like twice in one shootout. I was like, okay, all right, I get it. I do appreciate the grenade that Denzel throws and it blows that guy back because, yeah, that's how a grenade works. A grenade doesn't blow anything and everything up in a 40-foot radius. You know, you get that feeling <clears throat> from grenades in movies that a grenade is just like, you throw a grenade right, in a what fragmentation. and it'll... Yep. Right, yeah. They they act like you throw a grenade in somebody's basement and it'll level their fucking yeah. house. It's it's so ridiculous. But I appreciated that even though most most of gunplay in this is bullshit. I really I really like the Gatling gun though. Like like that that seems like because it's it seems so old, like from another era, it seems like that these guys have just like been roaming like like different towns and scavenging whatever the fuck they can find. Like it's not like a, a current era machine gun or a minigun or something like that. It's an old school Western style like crank Gatling gun. Like I that 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 to me was fucking awesome, dude, because it's just like, oh shit. Like they really are using everything that they can find. Right. And that that's what gets me there with it. You know, I'm like, okay, this this makes sense to me. Carnegie is throwing everything he's got at this because he <clears throat> he has a sure bet now. He knows that he's got a Bible. Um and, and I, I do like the fact that it's an I do like the fact that it's an older weapon. They probably found this in like a fucking history museum somewhere. <laughs> like so yeah, and I and I love the fact that immediately George and Martha just pull out guns and they're like, All right, well, we're on your side now, even though we fucking eat people like Five five minutes after meeting these motherfuckers, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. It's so funny how these alliances just kind of form out of out of necessity out in this kind of environment. I really did. Oh that. yeah, I, I like that a lot. They recognize the bigger threat for sure. Right, they could have just fucking sh- shot both of them and said, "Hey, what do you need? Okay, cool. Here you go. Bye." And then just let them drive off. Like they made it their problem. I think that's interesting. Uh, but they end up getting killed. Martha gets killed by the RPG. I like George going out and you know, you motherfuckers. <laughs> he takes out like two or three people before he gets just mowed down by the fucking minigun. Uh, I, 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 but I dig the single take as well. Like the, the single take stuff, like oh, anytime like that pops up in a film for me, it's, it's, it's worth talking about. Um, there's obviously some really smart editing here. Uh, like when he fires the RPG, like you just get like a, a screen full of like smoke, which is obviously where they hit the cut. But some of the shots here are absolutely fantastic, dude. Like there's a shot of like uh, Carnegie in the foreground and in the background, you can just see like the the little porch uh, rooftop that just falls off the the house. Yeah, it's getting absolutely I decimated. Just that. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, I love that that little awning being just shot the fuck off. Yeah, and but out uh, outgunned and outmanned, Eli and Solara are eventually cornered and forced to surrender the book. In return, Carnegie shoots Eli point blank after taking Solara hostage. That's that. Wow. I mean, did you see this coming? Like, did this surprise you at all? I mean, no, not really. I, I figured that he'd get shot, but like, I feel like when he gets shot, he's like this, this this slows this slows down for literally like a, like thirty seconds, dude. When he gets shot, it's just like oh. <laughs> That's oh, sorry, excuse me. That's what I'm saying. Like there are there's so many scenes in this that could have been like cut down just a little bit. It's a it's a two hour long movie with like an hour's worth of content. Like if you really wanted to edit this down and, and cut down the fat off of all uh, off of all of it, this could be like a very good short film, I think. Yeah. But also the, um, if you're Carnegie, why wouldn't you open the book? Well he can't because it's got the it's got the uh, crazy lock on that's it. right. That's right. And I, I think he knows listen, he gave us the book. And if I'm like, hey, open this thing up, he's going to be like, go fuck yourself. What do I care? You're probably going to shoot me anyways. Right, right, you know, he's, right. he's a smart guy. He knows he's not going to fucking do it. He'll do it just to piss you off. He'll not do it just to piss you off. 
but yeah, he's uh, he's shot. They they're start taking Solara back to town. Oh man, the line. He's like, see, look at him. He's just a man. Nothing special. And he's just laying out bleed. He is something special because he lived for like six months with a goddamn bullet in his stomach, which is interesting. I, that's I don't know. Scenes like this, I'm never really fond of because he basically it's basically like he didn't get shot. It means nothing. Ten minutes later, he's rowing a fucking boat miles. And I was like, dude, this is mean. That means nothing. And I get it. You can throw the whole gods on a side, gods on a side stuff, but that doesn't make you fucking Captain America. You know, you can't just miraculously, you know, survive bullet wounds and shit like that. I, I don't know. It's it, it's kind of it's just it's just unnecessary. You know, I I don't I don't really need it. But the crew leaving for dead. They're making their way back. They've got Solara. Solara pulls the old uh, fucking piano wire trick and <laughs> like strangles that guy to death. Ah man, what a fucking way to go. The car gets flipped over, and in the chaos. Uh, Red Ridge is impaled by Eli's sword, which they've taken with them. Uh, what did you think of Red Ridge's death and, and kind of the send off with Solara? Uh, I mean, it was fine. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't really have that many. Like, like this whole this whole sort of like tail end of the movie just kind of like kind of loses its quality for me a little bit. Um, like I like I like Solara's like you know the throwing of the grenade and the, the the like it looks awesome dude like don't get me wrong the visual of it looks a- absolutely fucking outstanding but yeah uh, like it it was okay like he just kind of like gets out of the car and kneels and then just fucking pieces out yeah see I I did get just in the sense of he takes the sword out and he throws it back in the car is almost like you're gonna need that and then sits outside and dies basking in the sun i think it's almost like a wave of redemption for him because there's yeah i i don't know out of all of the bad guys he's the best bad guy i guess morally speaking like he's one of the nicer ones it's so it's, I don't think that- it's like a thread dude like 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 if you want to give him some kind of weight it it feels like there's like maybe if if you if you were to weigh these like villains up right like the henchmen each other henchman would be zero grams and he would be like 0.1 of a gram. Like that's how much, like it's so surface level and shallow, I feel. Maybe because I didn't really buy into the the relationship or like him being into Solara. Right, yeah. I think that that had they established that earlier on and gotten a few more shots of it, then it would would probably be a lot lot easier to believe. But, But either way, Redridge, you know, he ends up getting killed. He's impaled by the sword. Um... She ends up escaping, you know, uh, Cardigan, Carnegie and uh, <laughs> Carnegie and one of the guys, you know, that we don't have enough gas to go back. They ended up just saying, fuck it and going back to town. Down the road, she finds Eli. She picks him up as Carnegie gets the engineer to open the book. I, I love him fucking t- <clears throat> tinkering with the toys. And as soon as he drops one, he's like, B. Oh, yeah, man. Like, <laughs> he's so good, dude, old man. It's it's great, man. I really God anything. You, I, I strongly urge you and anybody listening to this. The Hollywood Reporter does these great videos on YouTube. There's so much fun to watch. It's called Actors Roundtable or Directors Roundtable. Have you ever watched these at all? I've seen bits and pieces. I remember Tarantino doing one. Oh, like Tarantino and Nolan. Like it was all these like pretty big directors. Dude, that one. Well, the the one with Gary Oldman is Gary Oldman. James Franco, Tom Hanks, John Boyega, Jeff Daniels. Like, it's a shit ton of incredibly Boyega. good actors. Yeah. But yeah, the director's roundtable is Tarantino, Ridley Scott, David David O. Russell, the guy that directed The Revenant, the guy that directed The Danish Girl, and uh, Danny Boyle. It's really good. I love it. I, I've listened to it several times. 
Um, the same is true about Ridley Scott, but God, the guy still has like such a good eye. I love hearing him break down shit and talk about actually this is so funny in that round table they're like they're like oh he's like you know there's just so many sequels and remakes and stuff and then quentin Tarantino goes you did blade runner 2 and prometheus in like a, in like a two-year like like they're back-to-back basically he's got no like, he, <laughs> right yeah well and he was saying it in a good way he's like we were so excited when we were filming uh it was either Django or hateful eight he's like we all like took to a theater and fucking bought it out for the night so we could go see prometheus like with the crew and the cash just by ourselves like oh that's fucking cool it's really good sorry for that's such a derailment but the, those those are such good videos i absolutely love watching them so yeah we've got the engineer trying to open up the book they end up uh going down the road a ways and they make their way to uh san francisco now you you said you've been to san francisco before right yeah yeah i have actually um what's i i've never been there myself like did you like it yeah like, man it... i dig it it's a it's a fucking beautiful city um lots of homeless lots of homeless people really um yeah for sure it's very sad but like man like it's it's super pretty like they're here obviously at the golden gate bridge um and they're trying to get to alcatraz like you can you can take a, a rowboat there but obviously like you wouldn't be able to do it with a fucking gunshot wound dude like there's no fucking way but but yeah man it's a fucking beautiful city you can see like the bay bridge uh in the distance there it's the longer one um it yeah, honestly yeah. i'd always like recommend it like to anyone who has ever thought of going to san francisco and like walking down the pier like the, the pier walk that they have there it's fucking amazing one I really dig, I, I definitely get a, um, what was it, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? The one with Franco? Yeah, so, Del, uh, uh, no, that was um, Rise. Rise, yeah. I'm not going to lie, I love that, man. I love all three of those, but I especially love the first one. And I know it's the one that doesn't get the most love, but I just, I don't know, I went and saw that in theaters for my nephew for his birthday. It's great. I just dug the hell out it's of it. It's solid, like, Them yeah. crawling under the bridge and shit. I was like, this is awesome, dude. This is so good. Um, but of course, you know, they get like, we're talking about, they get this rowboat, they're rowing to Alcatraz. I love that he has to swap halfway through. I'm like, okay, at least you give me that. He's not like, at this point, he might as well just like get in the water and swim like Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) Right. right. 100% stamina nonstop just across (laughs) the ocean. Dude, dude, Um, dude. This is some of the worst green screen I've ever seen in my life. It's bad. It yes. is okay. awful. And I think I think what kind of like um, makes it worse is that the camera is like static on the boat, so it moves with the movement of the boat, and it just looks so bad, so bad. Yeah, it's crazy for an eighty million dollar budget in twenty ten. That's that's the kind of effects that you get. I'm like, man, if you'd have just knocked down the cast a little bit. Like I like Denzel, but is he worth the price that they pro- the, the the tag at this point? Probably not. Really, when he's almost like at his peak, like in twenty ten, <clears throat> one of his peaks. You know, I think more recently he's kind of like dropped off, maybe a little bit more. I know he's still doing Equalizer and stuff, but those are just kind of like, eh. You know, it's nothing really super special. Oh, I but think Equalizer's special, dude. That first one for sure. Really? Yeah, it's great. I fucking love that movie. It's so forgettable. No, it's no, not. Kidding. Yeah, just like John, just like John Wick. You can fuck off. You can eat. <laughs> you can eat ten dicks. <laughs> and next week's so, yeah. episode, we're doing John Wick, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in for our triple feature of John Wick one, two, and three, and uh, the Equalizer bonus, bonus, bonus episode, <laughs> and Equalizer two, yeah. uh, oh. and the Hitman's Bodyguard. We're gonna do a bunch of shit. Oh, no, that was um, a bad. <laughs> but anyways they end up they end up rowing to Alcatraz like they roll up and you know they're questioned he says he's got a copy of the um the, the new King James version of the Bible 
they're introduced to this guy. This is uncredited, the Malcolm McDowell. Uh, Lombardi is apparently his name. I had to Google this. He's uncredited in the film. Um, he's part of a group of individuals who seek to perceive, uh, perceive, to preserve and remind people of the world that they left behind. Uh, and we get this kind of cutting back and forth <clears throat> with the wrap up of our stories with Carnegie's crew and in our in our protagonist. Uh, as Eli begins to write, recite the new King, King James Version of the Bible, Carnegie is stunned by Eli's Braille copy of it, revealing he has been blind the entire time. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I think we've kind of said everything we want to say about this. It's not – I don't really care for it. I don't think it's necessary. It's, my thing is I, I think the win-win in this situation, I'm willing to compromise, is <clears throat> just say that the book is in Braille. I don't need him to be blind, though. I don't. I, it's irony enough for the fact that he opens up the Bible and his wife refuses to read it. The fact that you, The fact that what you have is right there and you can't fucking unlock it, where – Carnegie seems like a guy who's never had trouble doing that. He can just walk in, point a gun, <clears throat> flex his muscle, and, uh, you know, gets what he wants. So I love the fact that it ends up being somebody closest to him that kind of is the key to unlocking this and refuses to do it. I just, I, I don't know. I think the the book could have fucking put the book in goddamn pig Latin for all I care. I don't, I don't, I don't need this, this thing. You know, I, Eli is the guy who, sorry, <clears throat> Eli is a guy who has lived many years before the war ever happened, right? I get that kind of feeling like when she opens up his bag to kind of look at the Bible when they're, when he's sleeping, there, there's a Kmart tag with his name on it. So I'm like, oh, cool. He's just a guy who worked at Kmart or something, I guess. So he's really nobody special, but he lived a, a, a social life. He knows what the world was like before that. So, I mean, the book could be in French. The, the book could be in any other language. It doesn't have to be, you know, the fact that just because he's Braille, he has to be blind. I just don't need it, man. I just don't. I, I just I think the reveal of it being a Bible is cool enough. And then the reveal that it's written in a language he can't understand is is fine. If it had been a Bible written in Aramaic, like the like the, the, the language of Jesus and his disciples, it's a dead language. Are you going to go through been, every fucking language? <laughs> If it had been in Portuguese, if it had been in French, no. I just, I, it just, it, I know, it, I know, I get what you're you can, saying. You can have, I get what you're saying. You can have one without the other. I just hate it, man. I know it. It doesn't. I, I, I think, yeah. It, it feels cheap. Um, it feels like a cheap twist. And, um, yeah, you could, you could have done this. You could have done this so much more cleverly, so much more smartly. It's not really. It's, it is a, it is a deal breaker. Like it, there are two massive things in this movie for me that are deal breakers and it's this and it's the reveal that it's the holy bible like why do you have to like make it something so fucking specific you know you could have you could have left that so ambiguous and it would have worked so much better but i guess hey fucking dumb audiences right right yeah just man it's 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 such a unnecessary like twist on top of the whole thing because they do such great things to lock in the fact like he's not making eye eye contact with people when he's fighting them he you know when he's uh when when he goes and he finds the dead bodies he's sniffing and stuff he kind of has to move stuff around he bumps into the table like they they lock onto that premise but then like he makes eye contact with people he shoots a guy from 40 feet away with a pistol and like i get it but no amount of faith is is gonna i don't have that kind of faith in this shit i just i just don't i guess i guess that's (laughs) you trying to find god now (laughs) right well yeah i mean it's I can I can believe shit like that to an extent, but they need to leave it more 
uh, mysterious, like what you said. Like, we don't know if he really is protected by right. this thing. He could just be some crazy guy who's super lucky. But either way, he's pretty much harmless unless you fuck with him. So we're on his side. I just, man, it's there's there's so much wasted well, opportunity with they're this. They're trying to be preachy without being preachy, right? Like, they're saying that he did all this because of faith and because of God's power. Like, God, it was God's plan to get him here. Uh, but they're not, like, overtly telling you that. Like, that you're supposed to... That's, that's the ambiguous part of it, that you're supposed to take away from it. But it's not really that ambiguous when you have all of these questions and things like that. So, um, I, I think... I think yeah, it, it it could have been done a lot more tastefully. <coughs> I think you give me a magic marker and you let me rewrite part of this, scale back the action some, have him take a little bit of damage himself. Maybe he never takes the sunglasses off. I'm cool with that. Like, the fact that the sun is always out, it could be damaging to people's eyes. He wants to leave them on all the time. And at night, maybe he takes them off and the light is going to help us not see his eyes as much. I think the, at the end where they pull up and he's reciting the you know the Bible, let there be light, and he's got the you can see the beginnings of the cataracts, which I've heard some people say that he's not even it, he doesn't have to be completely blind. He could be like legally blind. He could you know he could not a hundred percent have lost his sight. It could be something like that. He's he's slowly losing his sight, which I'm fine with that too. That that makes sense to me. That's cool. But I think a better I think a better ending to me personally is. You know, we see that the Bible's in Braille. We start to realize little hints and stuff here and there. The smelling, the, you know, all the the, uh, the touching of stuff, you know, the clicks. We start putting it together. And when the camera pulls up to his eyes, his eyes are just closed. So, yeah, I think it is leaning towards the fact that he's blind, but it's left ambiguous for whoever wants to, whoever wants to interpret it that way. But I just, I'm not a fan when they lock you out and just, nope, this is it. You don't, you don't get to think about shit. It's like, all right, well, I guess, you know, I'm. I would have been more of a fan to kind of speculate than just get pushed into something that I a premise that I'm right, like, no, that's not really yeah. necessary. Yeah. As uh, oh yeah, Claudia's uh, she's brought out to read the book. Uh, she refuses, and she says that she can tell that Carnegie is dying as the unprotected bar is overrun by the locals. Yeah, she can smell it. She can tell he's gotten he's feverish. Uh, I would have loved if. As as she's approaching him, he just like sticks a leg behind her and trips her. He's like, "Ha ha, you're blind!" <laughs> like, like just the fact he's like, "Yeah, I'm dying, but you're still fucking blind." Just start saying a bunch of asshole shit. Um, so yeah, the Bible or sorry, the Bible. The bar is completely overrun. All of uh, all of Carnegie's guys are basically dead, except for the one guy who just sits in a chair and he's like, "Fuck it, yeah, what am I gonna do? Kill everybody?" <laughs> you know, fuck it. Um, and I mean, we're pretty much wrapping it down here. As time passes by, Eli recites the book more and more, but he eventually dies. The Bible is printed and placed on a shelf right between the Torah and the Quran as Solara makes her, makes her way back home equipped with Eli's iPod and signature sword. Uh, that's basically the end. Yeah, what what is Solara going to be doing now? I assume she's going back for her, for her mother. I, I mean, if she can, she'll probably go back, grab her mom, and I guess come back to this place. I guess. That, that's, that's, that's all I can really... I don't know. That's what I took away from it. Um, that's I, the less preachy version like, of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I, I I do like the whole sword and shield dynamic. You know, he gives her the sword, but, you know, she takes the iPod. It's kind of like something, I, I don't know, I took that symbolically as like something that's kind of a shield to protect you from all this awful shit and remind you that there's still really nice and good things in the world. Um, I guess it never. I, I does he does Eli? I guess die from all of the all of the battle. Maybe the bullet wound got infected and he just died. I, I know it's not super important, but it just seemed kind of. I don't know. Do we really need him dying? I, I, I like maybe it adds just like a little bit, but 
I, I don't really he just dies right after he gets there. It's like, oh, that's, I don't know. That's, that's kind of odd. Like I, I would have rather they were rushing to finish the book. Well, I don't really need to see him getting shaved and sitting down. Like, I, I like that. I love seeing that for him as the character, but in terms of like plot and story, I think it's more interesting if he gets there and we raise the stakes because he's dying and he, he's going, he, maybe he's slowly bleeding out or he's going to die by infection. But um, it seems that he's been there for months reciting yeah. this thing, which it would. It would take you a long time to do that. But. It it seems like it just kind of like peters out. Like, <laughs> like you know, he's just like, oh, he's made it. Uh, guess he has to die now because he's completed his mission. Right. Yeah. I just I don't really need that. I think that his. Uh, so he did all this shit and his reward is death. Nice. Thanks, God. That's wonderful. So good. I, I'm filled with your Holy Spirit. Um, no, the uh, the thing that you blasphemous cunt. I know this is what this is what you get for hey parents this is what you get for forcing your child to go to a church and be a Christian school this is what happens they don't want to go don't make them no I'm kidding um the I I just I really wish they had just you know if if Eli had just said no I'm just staying here like I did my part like God said this is my reward for for doing this and I know he's not doing it to get a reward but I would have liked to have seen him just appreciate his time a little bit more there uh, just, just to see him kind of enjoy the the fruits of his labor I, I, re- I really would have liked to have seen that I guess we get it to some degree but I don't know I didn't really need him dying out of nowhere it's just kind of like alright cool we're just doing that just to do it now I guess fuck it I don't know but yeah I mean that's fucking Book of Eli man what a shit movie I know fucking <laughs> let's get out of here I'm kidding <laughs> no man uh, it was it was a lot better than I remembered um, like, I, like I know I'm kind of like getting into my final thoughts here but yeah, like I, 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 it was a lot better than I remembered. Um, I do remember being slightly disappointed as a sixteen-year-old. I was like, oh no, it doesn't have enough action, because like I was, I was promised, like in the opening twenty minutes, I was promised like that fucking weird, like awesome blade fighting that he does. Um, uh, like I was just like, oh, I want more of that. Um, and then it just like ended up being like some kind of like preachy fucking I don't know religious shit. Uh, but no, like this time around, I definitely dug it a lot more. Um, uh, the 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 biggest element. Uh, for sure, uh, the one that works the best is the world building, one hundred percent. I think the the post apocalyptic setting, for sure, is is what you come here for. No, absolutely. I, I think that that's what put asses. That's what puts asses in seats. That's what gets people um, revved up about these movies. Is this post apocalyptic sci fi kind of feel to things? I I do enjoy this movie. It's it's got you know, and there's a couple of things we didn't even touch on. The fact that it does have god awful CGI and green screen in certain places. It really does. That's I mean, for an eighty million dollar movie, there's no fucking excuse for that. There's really not. And I I just I think that looks awful at some point. Uh, even I don't know. Even like some of the some of the blood spray and stuff. It just looks kind of like second rate, you know. And I'm sure that a lot a lot of their money went into the the. Uh, the uh, the oh god the the cast and, and and having to pay for such big name actors because um, this I mean I think this only made back like 120 or 130 million I mean it made a profit but for an 80 million dollar profit you're probably hoping at, to at least double it especially something of this size with with that many names attached I think is where someone would expect this to do a lot better. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has like a fifty percent. I'm like, it's better. It's than better that. than that. I mean, I, I, I'd probably put it like sixty-five, I would, seventy. Yeah, I, I give it. A, I give it a solid B minus. B minus to a like C plus plus. Like some a C is even seems like too low. Can you just use numbers like a, cool, a normal person? Fuck. 
I got well. See, I, sometimes I get tired of doing numbers. I'm like, I'm gonna switch it up. I'd say like six and a half, seven and a half, somewhere around there. All right, but well, they're working with something it's, now. It's a, it's, it's, it's like uh, I don't know. It's a beautiful lady with a lot of problems. You know, her dad, <laughs> her dad, her dad, her dad didn't touch her as a kid, or he touched her too much, and I don't know. It's, it's just, it's a movie with a lot of problems. She's gonna so. go see a therapist now. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, fuck, I need to see a therapist uh, after trying to wrap my head around this amazing twist that happens oh at the end. God. Fuck's sake. Anyway, let's get into comments, um, dude. Um, yeah, yeah, you go ahead. All right. I, I got I got Daniel. Uh, like like Daniel Daniel Fouch. I mean, like a man of the hour, right? He's got quite of a lengthy one. So fucking Daniel couldn't put it into one comment. Thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said, a question for the podcast. Does Denzel being blind make the movie or is it just a flashy twist? I hope we covered that enough <laughs> like i feel like we don't we, <laughs> we, we beat that fucking shit to a pulp um but yeah de- for me definitely it's more of a flashy twist it, it doesn't really make the movie at all i remember for sure as a 16 year old it was a much bigger deal but now it's just like ah ah i'm good i'm good uh as far as gary oldman and the bible you would get the same effect if the bible was in latin the way the world is the existence of the book is what oldman requires not the content itself unless the implication is supposed to be that that oldman was seeking the religious learning at uh, for itself and not just the power as he claimed. I have never read a Quran, but I've heard enough to get the general idea of the content. Oldman should be able to make up his Bible from what he knows from reading other books that mentions things from the Bible. 100% agree. Like, literally, those in that one comment, both of my big issues with this movie. That's 100% nail on the head. Uh, he said, great movie, amazing visuals. I love the story and all of the casting choices. I'm still undecided about the twist at the end. Uh, I'm not going to fucking talk anymore about this twist. <laughs> I'm sorry, Daniel. I love the irony, 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 but it makes many of the shots of Denzel appearing to look at things that we seem to that we get seem to be cheap trickery. I'm also a little dubious of the complete destruction of Bibles and Christianity. The old religions are hard to exterminate and it is human it is human nature to want to keep to want it is human nature to want and keep what is banned. There would be multiple old people capable of reciting the entire Bible just by the amount of religious beliefs. I agree. Uh, I, I don't think I think I think the real religion goes beyond the book. What do you think about that? Fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I can, I can agree with that. I, 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 are you saying? Do I agree with Daniel's assessment of that? That it would be unlikely that this would just be totally wiped out, like religion. Yeah, yeah. Is is like, like, do you do you think that even if they'd like burned all the books and things like that, all the Bibles, would would they have wiped out what religion is? Like the idea of religion. What. Well, no, I don't think the idea of it because it would be it would be cool to have seen something like the Children of Adam, you know, from Fallout. Uh, but I think that thirty years is not a long enough time. You say fifty, sixty, seventy-five years, then then I'd say yeah, there hasn't been a Bible found in however many decades, you know, five, six, seven decades. We're talking about you need a whole generation of people to die off for that, and that I that I do buy into. I do agree with them there, right? For sure. Uh, you have? Do you have anyone else that you want to write? Um, yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'll make sure I don't read over any more of, uh, uh, Daniel Fouch's. Uh, I've got one from Nathan Burkhart. Um, from what I gather, those that survived blamed religion and therefore everyone was pretty much on board with its destruction. Also, I doubt that many people would survive. 
I think that might be him replying to Daniel Fouch's thing, but still also a cool point. Uh, he doubts that many old people would survive. This is many decades after the whatever happened. The plot is a tad thin. That said, this is one of my favorite movies, if nothing else, but to see Denzel Washington being a freaking post-apocalyptic ninja, I will watch any movie that he is in. Thank you, Nathan. Nathan's such a cool guy. Uh, we ca- he came over to a place and ate some chicken nachos with a bunch of friends the other night. He's fucking really cool. He's a badass. He's um, a badass. Yeah, he looks like, he looks like Pat Oswald. Um, <laughs> I like Pat Oswald. Uh, I do too. I love him. Um, we got one from you. Got another? Oh one? yeah, yeah, yeah. We got one from our boy Danny Hartley. Uh, reminded me of yeah, Zatanna. Yeah, yeah. What what is this that he fucking references? What is this nerdy shit, Danny? Reminded me of Zatoichi, the blind swordsman, but with my man Denzel and of course Z's favorite Gary Oldman, of course. Decent action, good pacing to keep you intrigued until the best part that makes you immediately rewind and play the movie in your memory, realizing that all the subtleties that hinted at, quote, it all along. Had it not been for the ending, the movie would be immediately forgettable among these actors' other credits. I think I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think that, do I think it's personally a better movie without the twist? Yes, but I don't I don't feel like most people would feel the same way. I think your modern mover goer is probably going to love that twist, <laughs> yeah, especially where I'm from in the deep south where it's a big religious thing like that went over really well with a lot of people that I know. So I'm like, yeah, they probably love that fucking twist. Um, Again, loved it as a 16 year old. Yeah, same here. I think that's all of the comments that we got, but we have this poll that we put up. Uh, I really enjoy doing this before we put an episode up, just kind of a poll talking about some kind of general conversation. We put one up for Spider-Verse asking, what was your favorite Spider-Man and why? Um, But on this one, we've got, since we've got Book of Eli coming up this weekend, what are some of your favorite post-apocalyptic films? Sound off below. Uh, So we had Book of Eli, the four Mad Max films, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I'm Legend, Quiet Place. Uh, Some people added... Hunger Games, Tank Girl, The Matrix, Waterworld, World War Z, The Road, and The Postman, along with Tin Cloverfield. Lane. Hold on, didn't you um, add Waterworld? <laughs> I did add Waterworld, dude. That's bitch. fucking try to pop that off to someone else. <laughs> I, I, we know it's hilarious. Waterworld got fucking two votes. Yeah, what the <laughs> fuck? So like, uh, yeah. Here's what's crazy: Book of Eli, Mad Max, tied nine votes. That, that is so tied. fucking bullshit. I'm sorry. Like, I was like, I was about to message you. I was like, dude. Can you take Mad Max, like, you put Mad Max 1 to 4. I was like, of course Mad Max is going to win because it's all fucking four of them. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, Book of Eli and Mad Max. Wait, what? What's, what's, what's happening here? No, yeah, I, I couldn't believe that either. I mean, I think I personally think that even something like Quiet Place is a better post-apocalyptic film, right. honestly, than Book of Eli. I, I think it's a lot better. I, put, um, I, put, I but, added uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and that got six votes. That did really yeah. well. Well, and we had a couple of cool comments. Eric Mason from over at Countdown to Geek Town. Uh, the Postman and I Am Legend were great books that had horrible adaptations. So fucking true. Uh, the Road was a pretty good adaption from what I remember, though. I've, I've never really read that. A lot of people were talking about The Road. Uh, also, Craig Dealey, The Road is a very good, very dark book. I haven't seen the film otherwise than... Uh, I, I haven't seen the film otherwise that may have been my vote. Instead, I am Team Harrington. Go Hunger Games. <laughs> Actually pretty good. Got my, uh, um, my girl Tiffany Bell over here, right? Like, I feel like Z Nation was a horrible adaptation, but the book was so awesome, like piecing together how a zombie apocalypse wiped out the world after it's already happened. Edit. I hope I'm thinking of the right book. Uh, I think she meant World War Z. Wait, what did she say in the comment? I think did she not say World War or she Z said Nation? Z Nation? Like, isn't that a game? Right. 
Or a TV show. I don't know. Something. It's something I else. knew exactly. I, I knew she was talking about World War uh, Z right, right, right. As, as soon as she said something about it. Uh, I love those books. Max Brooks, uh, who's actually the fucking son of Mel Brooks. I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. You end up writing like zombie fucking science fiction shit. That's really interesting. We'll cover World War Z one day. It's not a bad I movie. dig it. I, I dig, I dig it. it. Yeah, I, I thought it was plenty cool. But um, did you already give your closing thoughts? I did. Okay. Um, I mean, I've talked enough about this. I I enjoy this movie. It's got some problems. Uh, I think maybe 10, 15 years down the line, it's probably due for a remake and they'll probably do it. I hope that I don't I love post-apocalyptic shit like this that's done on a much smaller level. Something like I've said Automata a couple of times on this podcast. Uh, it's not one of my favorite movies in the world. But in terms of like the newer sci-fi that I think is kind of um, a predecessor to something like Book of Eli, you know, we've got these movies coming out four or five, six, seven years later. And we're, we're in a renaissance of sci-fi and horror right now, um, especially with, with stuff like, um, oh, God, Upgrade that came out like yeah. last year. Love that movie. I think that's great sci-fi. I think that's I think that's the direction that a lot of sci-fi should take. You know, we've we've got, you know, Blade Runner 2049 that came out and then Philip K. Dick's TV show on Amazon Prime, The Electric Dreams. Really, really good stuff uh, coming out in the terms of like sci-fi. <clears throat> but all in all, it's it's a good movie. I think that it's just it's it needs a little bit more. They need to shuffle some stuff around. They need to lay they need to lay off on the action. They need to amp up his portrayal of a blind person. You need to make no eye contact. You need to. When I look back, then I cannot question at all the fact that he's blind. And I think that when you when you completely encompass that, and there are some parts where he does, he there's plenty of times when he doesn't make direct eye contact, but when he's doing something like that, it just throws me off. When you shoot someone with a pistol from 35 feet away and headshot them, I'm going to start calling bullshit, especially when you do it with a shotgun. Um, so I think had they scaled some of this back a little bit, because you say that we live in a world that doesn't have ammo, yet we have like three shootouts and a fucking... 30 minute period. I, I get it. They're throwing everything at the wall and make it stick. But it does seem a little odd that everybody we come across is a weapon and it's loaded when they say that and when they say that it never is. So it, it, I feel like it. it's a small nitpick. But when you're doing this post-apocalyptic fiction and you're world building it, um, it's very easy to fuck that up. And it's very easy to kind of be hypocritical of stuff to sacrifice world building and, and be hypocritical of that for just an action scene. I've seen a thousand action scenes. I haven't seen a world built exactly like the Book of Eli world. Even though a lot of them are very similar, it's still very different. And I love that it, this is post-apocalyptic biblical fiction. I, I, th I think that's so interesting. I can't think of a lot of other movies that it reminds me of. And, you know, even though it has problems, it's still a lot of fun. Uh, I'll definitely pick this up on Blu-ray at some point. And I'm glad that we covered it. I, I, I think that it's high time that we got into some post-apocalyptic um, even dare say science fiction, because that's what I consider religion. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but um, I know, right? God, digging deep. Wow, it's so weird. Book of Eli only has like eight downloads. I don't know what happened. But it, unless you've got anything else to say, Zoe, I guess we can wrap up with some socials and get out of here. No, no. I, uh, I think, uh, man, we, we, we fucking destroyed this movie. Like, we, we, yeah, we, we talked about it a lot more than I thought it would be. Oh, like, we both started this episode and we were like, this is going to be a shorter episode. Cut to fucking two hours and 20 minutes minutes later <laughs> yeah yeah not bad per, per our usual but guys 
Thanks so much for uh, for listening. Thanks for staying all the way to the end. If you guys want to hear some more, we've got plenty of other episodes for you guys to check out. Like I said at the top, we've got our upcoming attractions episodes, a little bit shorter, a little bit more recent stuff. <clears throat> but we've also got plenty of uh, movies, new and old, that we've covered. We've got a lot of stuff on there, a lot of content for people to check out. Uh, if you want to email us, you can hit us up, midnightdoublefeature at gmail.com. We've got Facebook at Midnight Double Feature. We've got uh, Instagram at Midnight Double Feature. We're on Twitter at MDF Pod. Along with that Facebook page, we've also got the After Party, our group, where we post, post stuff like our poll post, where we post stuff like our polls. Pussy. We have a lot of fun. We're posting our memes and any kind of trailers and stuff that's going on. Uh, you can also check us out on Twitter at MDF Pod. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. We're everywhere you guys can find us we're on youtube so uh please and stop by rate and review us on itunes let us know how we're doing i'm really if every person listening to this just went and hit that five star once i know i'm sounding like a salesman i know i'm sounding like i'm banging on your door at eight o'clock in the morning to sell you bibles but it helps out so much if if one out of every 10 people who listening to this or even went and did it it would just make my day be fantastic i'd love to see some more reviews on there and help us kind of get our numbers up in the game and uh and maybe get a few more people listening but without you guys going out and doing that and without being so supportive as you already are absolutely uh, be possible so thanks thanks so much for listening guys we uh we always really appreciate it we hope you enjoy this episode and the many more to come zoheb Wish these people good night. Ta-ta, guys. Uh, it's probably not good night where you're fucking listening. I'm like, I'm, I have a full day ahead of me, but all right. <laughs> this is a recorded podcast, Colin. <laughs> yeah, right. At 15 hours in different time zones. Oh, yeah. Guys, thanks so much for staying late and listening. We can cue that outro music. Music.